Hey, what's going on, everybody? Black and Yellow is finally back after a very, very long absence. Uh, this is Cronus again, here back with... Bunny Man! We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Guess um, who's back. Yeah, we were talking about uh, the Constance Wu thing earlier, and I wanted to break it down on the podcast because I had no idea why there was a problem with Casey Affleck. So, Bunny Man, please break it down for the folks. And me. Oh, oh, we're going right into it. Yeah, huh? yeah. Since you were just talking about it, it makes it easy, right? <laughs> uh, so, Constance Wu. So, basically what happened is Constance Wu was criticizing... I guess the world <laughs> for allowing Casey Affleck to get an Oscar nomination. Mm. And he had a past uh, sexual harassment suit that was settled out of court um, for a, a previous movie he made. Um, and there was talk because it was somewhat similar, although there's major, there are some major differences, to Nate Parker and Birth of a Nation. Mm. And the way that it got crucified, and you know, she was kind of saying, "Why does this guy get denied his Oscar opportunity, and then this like white guy, Casey Affleck, is still getting his Oscar now?" Okay, so that's already kind of weird because Nate Parker, he didn't, he wasn't charged with anything, he wasn't found guilty. He didn't even they, they he found him charged. Not, he was charged. Well, he was, but he was found not guilty, right? It was, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but in this case, I guess it wasn't like there was a settlement of some sort. It's two totally different cases, to be yeah. honest, and and I don't know why people, but I guess people could like to compare. But basically, Nate Parker, uh, was not found guilty, or he was acquitted, or something like that. And because uh, there was another guy that actually there was another guy that was guilty. Yeah. And then, but the thing is that, uh, you know, the, the girl later killed herself. Yeah, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. Very unfortunate. And, it, you know, it made the whole situation kind of worse. Anyway, so, you know, he, Birth of a Nation was going to be like this big Oscar, 12 Years a Slave kind of like yeah. tour de force for the Oscars. And uh, because of, you know, that controversy popping up right before the release, the release got kind of squashed and nobody watched the movie and it's not even in the Oscar race, blah, blah, blah. Um, Casey Affleck, I guess, harassed two, uh, or was accused of harassing two producers on one of his movies, and they sued him, and they settled out of court. Uh, that usually means they did it. Usually. You- <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not going to part with money, you know, if, unless I, you know. It depends. I oh, mean, yeah, I it, depends. it depends on if they don't want to, because the, if they settle out of court and then they have to shut up legally. Yeah. That's probably worth more in PR than... That's fucked up, too, like, that's, Yeah. That's fucking dark. So I think when you're a celebrity, yeah. there's a lot of gray areas. Um, in general, we'll say most of the time you don't get accused of sexual harassment by two women unless something happened. Well, but there are... <laughs> but it, it, that doesn't mean it's criminal, though. Yeah, but I mean, there has been... I mean, I'm not going to pretend and be right. like, it's always that case. You like your headphones better? Um, oh, okay, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there, there are fake rape allegations. Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, there's plenty. I'm, but, dude, that's like the worst thing for a guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> even just the allegation, that's like your life is destroyed. Is, yeah. Yeah. Even, even if you didn't, I mean, look at uh, we we're just talking about Nate Parker. Like yeah. his life is still fucked up over that. And so other people yeah, like yeah. the uh, what's it the Duke lacrosse team or whatever uh-huh. were totally found not guilty, but their lives are all fucked up. And there's plenty of other like football players and shit where they just get destroyed, mm-hmm. and then there's no recovery. Yeah, I know it's pretty brutal, dude. I, I mean the. That's a whole nother topic, but, um, you know, basically what I want to talk about is that, you know, this 
woman, Constance Wu, who is the, on that show, uh, Fresh Off the Boat. She's the mom. Okay. Anyways, so she's going off on Casey Affleck and on Twitter and all this stuff, and you know everybody's covering it. And um, you know she was even tweeting like, "Oh, my lawyers, you know, recommended for my career that I don't talk about this, but fuck my career or something like that." <laughs> Which I was like, "Ooh, yeah. that's uh." So she went off on Matt Damon being in the Great Wall. It was the same lady. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say she sounded familiar. Yeah, and now she's going off on Casey Affleck, and um, you know, now that I've seen the 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 other previews for Great Wall, yeah. like I don't think she has really that. No, much of an she was going yeah. so I and there's a lot of, and then there's you know it's funny because she's kind of becoming this role model for the Asian American community. Oh no, uh, I know. I, I mean, <laughs> I'll be politically correct and say I respect her um, desire to speak up, but. I'm finding personally that her approach is not very cultured or intelligent. Um, and also, she's got like a white boyfriend. So I don't know <laughs> exactly what she's like railing against. What's she's, wrong with that, Bunny Man? She, there's nothing wrong with it. I got a white girlfriend, but you know, I, I don't hate on white people. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I, I see uh, mistakes and problems as kind of more of a, a total social issue than just like demonizing anyways um i'm not saying she's demonizing white people but i'm just saying she's she's being very vocal against like these you know anti-white privilege things and then she's got like a fucking hate that term prototypical prototypical white you know hollywood boyfriend or whatever yeah um anyways but the point is my issue with her is that um she's not even arguing intelligently about the stuff that she's passionate about and she has no power, and so I guess she's trying to use the voice she has from that show. But um, I'm I'm wondering if it will end lead to a shorter career. It probably will because this is the problem: is that if you have like an opinion, but it's not fully like formed, if you're not doing your research or your mm-hmm. due diligence on these opinions, mm-hmm. then somebody's gonna call you out. You know? I mean, yeah, with the Great Wall, it's like who is she? Like, she's addressing it to Hollywood, but it's a Chinese film. Yeah. So you're already, like, barking up the wrong tree. Yep. Um, And then you're, like, also talking shit about, like, that circle of, like, really powerful Hollywood players. Yeah. And building a reputation for being, like, uh, you know. Now, I think it's fine to to build a reputation to be, like, a uh, Hellraiser, if that's your thing. However... History is probably littered with tons of people who didn't do it smart and just got squashed and and were never heard from again. So yeah, I uh, think yeah. The, the problem is is that she does have a voice, and mm-hmm. I think she's wasting potential energy of her you know celebrity status on stuff that she hasn't done her research on all the way. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you kind of like if you have like really thought about what you're talking about, right? You know, you could have been, you could have made a more powerful impact, but you, you're going to reduce your your career on shit that you could have made a, a difference on, like real shit that you did research on. But you know, you're early in your career that I know of. I don't really know this person that, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know her her, I guess work at all. Yeah, but it's like you know, <laughs> which says a lot too. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you, you had a chance, but now yeah. you're early on. You're fucking it up. Yeah, Variety yeah. did this article on her like lashing out, and then like it was so hilarious. Like everybody's comment on the article is like, "Who the fuck is this?" Yeah, like, I don't know. Um, so I don't know. I guess what I'm concerned about is that she, because not many Asian Americans say anything, and she is saying something. There's a lot of Asian Americans who are like, "Yeah, you go, girl," and it kind of like 
gave her this like status where she became like the Spike Lee like mouthpiece yeah. for Asians, but she's not being very smart about it yeah. and and not even making good arguments in my mind. So I think she's got a false sense of entitlement. Yeah, for her voice a little bit. So, I think yeah. <laughs> you know she got she got emboldened by the people supporting her and giving her feeding her that rah rah shit. And um, I kind of want her to shut up. Well, funny, man. it's funny you say that because on this podcast you have repeatedly said that Asians need to, you know, speak up. I know, but, that, but you didn't say intelligently. Yeah, I, know. I should have clarified. And I would get so I would get so hated on if any Asians were listening to this podcast, which I know they're not because they're no. racist. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm on the podcast. Sorry, <laughs> no, but uh, they don't know who the fuck I am. Yeah. I'm just talking shit. You know, the thing is though, like. Um, I do, I do study, you know, like, um, not study, but I keep track of, I follow different people and see how they, like, their careers grow and, and stuff. Yeah. And she's been this blip on the radar, and I've been watching her, and I'm like, man, you are really not the right rep. Yeah. <laughs> there Which... are better, like, Margaret Cho is much more intelligent and and has a much deeper history and is very political. Um, but she's fucked shit up too. She's kind of fucked shit up too, though. Because like I, I went she to go has. watch uh, Margaret Cho, mm-hmm. the comedian, right? You're talking yeah, about? yeah. I, I saw her with uh, with my girlfriend K Mac mm-hmm. a couple years ago, and it's like some of it was funny, but then she kind of went on this like sort of she goes rant. on yeah, like rants, she goes and, on rants, yeah, and they're like rants that I don't necessarily agree with. So it's just like kind of uh, you know. I think you know what I think the real deeper root issue of what I'm trying to get at is that I'm noticing that in this social media social justice world uh, just because you're talking does not mean that you're qualified to be an authority on what you're talking about yeah and I'm, I think there needs to be a better framework for people to talk about issues and be intelligent and and really really know how to approach talking about a topic that creates an actual uh like inclusive result or a positive result um as opposed to just talking shit and wanting to be heard and then having people like you know cheer you on and yeah. and then it doesn't actually change anything so yeah um this might wrap into the next thing we're going to talk mm-hmm. about but it's like there are people out there that just they're not willing to look outside their own little realm. They're they're stuck in like their quote unquote safe spaces, and they're not looking at new information and then changing their opinion based on that new information. I'm gonna give you a perfect example. Look, I've always said that um, if you give me new information, then I, I I reserve the right to change my opinion. Sure. So yeah, I fully believe in that. Yeah. So you you guys all know that I talked about you know. President Trump and I was told, said I was going to give him a chance. We'll get more on that later. His chance has, has expired. Um, but I'll give you a, a, a more a better example. Is that um, with that new the educational whatever that chick that was supposed to take over the Department of Education Ugh, ended up being yeah. a fucking moron. Yeah. And so I, I I put a post out there and I was like, it's funny how people want to talk about diversity, but it, only when it like really is on their team. Mm. And then. My uh, my stepsister, she sent me a link. She's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll bite. And then she posted a link about how his actual cabinet isn't that diverse. Mm. And I was like, you're totally right. It's not, all right? 
I understand that she's a woman. She's a white chick. Well, that does still is some diversity, but I guess the rest of his picks are not that diverse. Mm. And so it's like what I said was still kind of valid because it's still it's still true that most people only care about diversity when it comes about on their team. Like most Democrats, they'll ignore all the other diverse picks that Republicans have made, like mm. black people or you know Indian people or whatever. They don't care because they're on the other side. There's definitely a lot of willful blindness going on. Yeah, you know, regardless of. In every way, in every aspect of society, people are willfully blind to. They, you know what? They just want to validate their own ideas, so they they reject seeing seeing anything that goes against their own argument. Which is, I mean, you can't sit you can't sit in an echo chamber for your entire life. You're gonna have a really bad life because you, you're, you're you're basically ignoring reality. You know what I mean? So, like when my sister posted that that link, I was just like, oh, you know what? You're right. You know, if his if he, if his cabinet is not that diverse, then his you know. I can't sit there and talk about his diversity because they're still it's more of the same. Mm-hmm. So I changed my opinion slightly on on that, and I think a lot of people would try to argue. You know what I mean? Like they, if they saw that and they'd be like, "Well, that's not my opinion. I'm going to argue against it or say I'm going to agree to disagree," which is kind of a fucked up way to get out of it. Which sometimes I've said because that's when I have a hard line stance on something, and I totally disagree with the other person. But at the same time, it's like, look, if they bring up a point that is factually valid, I I can't argue a fucking fact. You know what I mean? I, I can't. That is true. I mean, I, I uh, do. I have read articles and things about uh, you know a lot of the highest performers in the world are actually the most likely to change their mind, yeah. um, and that's actually a quality amongst people uh, who do really well. You know, because they're willing to take any fact, and it's more about whatever is the best knowledge that gives them the best edge that the best results and that's why they'll completely 180 on their own opinion if they're presented with enough facts to show that you know it's a there's better information or whatever it's funny that you say that because the way that our political climate is right now if you change your opinion change your opinion on anything you're a flip-flopper that is a danger yeah that's that sucks you should be allowed to change your mind yeah it's so dumb (laughs) it's like look i used to live in fucking santa claus he's not real but i (laughs) flip-flop (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, like, right. I was presented with new information. I, I'm, you know, you can change your. That's opinion. a mistake of the people, like looking at figureheads and treating them like you know caricatures or icons, and, and yeah. not allowing them to be human and change their mind. You know, they're just people. I reserve the right to change my mind about anything, including Constance Wu, if I want to. Yeah, she could be awesome. She could be on this podcast. I'm sure not, she's. <laughs> yeah, she's hot. I'm. She's. Talented, I guess. Um, I don't I haven't really seen her in much, but uh, yeah. And at the same time, she can grow and get smarter and can change her mind. So yeah. you know, my opinion of what she's doing right now is just at the moment. And uh, fuck it. All right, so let's talk about what we've been up to because we've been gone for months. At this like two point. months, yeah. <laughs> Actually, was it, I think it's been more than two months. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's February yeah. now, and I think the last time we could have possibly done this was in like mid November. So like two and a half months. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, sorry, but yeah, no uh, worries. Part of it was on my fault because I I adopted, so mm-hmm. I, I had to go to uh, Texas mm-hmm. uh, to adopt my baby daughter. She's uh, her name is Riley. It was a pretty awesome experience. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but now there's some controversy because the uh, the agency that I went through they they shut down a couple days ago, and that's a it's been a Huge problem. Uh, we've been me and my girlfriend have been on the news for it, and like people have been really fucked over. And I, I it's really <clears throat> difficult for me to have not not opinions, but 
it's hard for me to feel bad about it because there's people out there that I've talked to because they, they created a, a Facebook group about this uh, uh, bankruptcy. It's The agency was called the Independent Adoption Center. And there's people out there right now that they don't have kids right now that paid money for a child or to adopt. And they're in the wind now. But, you know, me and my girlfriend, we were lucky enough to actually get our daughter before they shut down on, you know, with, with no notice. Mm. But there's people out there right now that have been on the list for like two, three, some of them up to five fucking years that paid Spent all this money. money and they're getting nothing. And I'm like, I- I'm reading all these fucking these That's stories, the man. Head. It's yeah. It's like, it's so hard to read. Cause it's like, there's people out there right now that because of this, they're never going to have a child ever because they're devastated. You know, oh, yeah. cause like when me and, uh, me and my girlfriend, we got, uh, what's called unmatched. So we had somebody that we were matched with earlier last year and they unmatched with us. And that was devastating to, to mm. more so to my girlfriend. Um, Took it very personally. Yeah, it was super hard. And yeah. there's people out there where it's just like, I spent all this money. And like, I, I literally, I've watched these news stories where they have their entire nursery set up and they're, you know, waiting for this, for this child and they're getting nothing. And I'm just like, that, that it's so fucked up. And I hope somebody burns for this. <laughs> like seriously like i've had to talk to social services attorneys other agencies and it's just like dude like i have to call back somebody today that that works for our social services and stuff um and it's just been kind of crazy but at the same time i have my daughter um for right now she's safe with us we still have the finalization to go through but um she's still with us and there's, there should be nothing that's gonna take her away from us so yeah it's funny because when i texted you i was like just checking i'm like yo what's up and you're like oh don't tell anybody yet, but I'm having a baby. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I was like, your girlfriend hit it really well. Because I, could, I couldn't tell the last couple of times I was here. I was like, wow, adopting is really awesome. I'm definitely, um, I definitely would adopt. Uh, I think that uh, knowing people who are adoptees, uh, you know, having really good parents is really important. Yeah. Regardless of if they're your birth parents or adopted parents, um, kids just need love, man. And you know, yeah. I've been seeing some photos; super cute. Yeah, she's really cool. <laughs> uh, uh, and yeah, it's been cool to see that journey. I didn't know about that controversy though. That that was uh, it. Just happened like two days ago. Oh man, literally. that's pretty yeah. bogus. That's yeah. lame. And the way we found out, like they didn't even contact us directly. We 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 found out through our uh, our profile designer who doesn't work for the that agency. And it's just been, I was just like, dude, and it's like meeting all these other people are just fucked up. But one thing that is cool, even though we had a shitty situation, like my faith has been kind of like restored to humanity because all these people are offering so much help. Like even we have. Mm. Um, so people, so when we went to Texas, um, we were kind of stuck there. There's a thing that's called the ICPC. I don't know what the fuck it stands for. Basically what it means is that if you're in another state and you adopt, you have to have both states sign off on the adoption before you can go home. Mm. Right. And so there's people that are, are going to be stuck by this in another state, and they're going to have nobody to help them, mm-hmm. right? So we've offered up our home to anybody that happens to be in the Bay Area that adopted to stay with us because we have a nurse. We already have everything set up for a child, so they can just you know use, use our house until things get sorted because with us or with anybody else that was you know in another state, you need an advocate for you to work with social services, uh, get the ICPC stuff done, and do all – there's like a, a whole bunch of stuff you have to do that you're depending on uh, the agency to do. That's what you paid for. You know, and now they're going to be stuck in the wind for nobody knows how long. So somebody's got to burn for that. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody made a lot of money because I, I broke down the numbers and I was like, there's 500 people in the system right now that are live. And the minimum amount for that agency is $15,000. That's $7.5 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot. And of it's money. a nonprofit. 
You know what I mean? Wow. And what they were saying is that there was less birth mothers out there. I was like, okay, that makes that doesn't. Well, I, when I first heard it, I was like, that makes sense. But then I thought about it, I was like, no, it doesn't make sense because the birth mother is basically your quote unquote product, right? So I'm paying you a service fee for the product of having a baby. If there are less babies out there, where does that money go? All, all your over most of your overhead should be going towards. Um, finding birth mothers and facilitating the adoption process. But if there's less birth mothers, you have less overhead. That's true. And that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. We paid <laughs> that's a lot of money. We paid, I'll say this because we already said it on the news, but we paid uh, $24,000. We thought it was 23, but I broke down the numbers. It was $24,000, almost $25,000 in just fees to the IAC. That's not including us flying to Texas and all that stuff, all the travel mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. So $24,000. For the adoption, and it's not even finalized yet, so we, we still owe, or we're gonna owe, because we have to find an attorney, mm. right, to finalize, and uh, that's a shitload of money that somebody left with, and I heard that in September they doubled their rates, and literally days before they closed with no notice, people had just made payments, or just signed up. They were like milking everybody up to the last second. Oh yeah, it's like look, it, that's I inter- so fucked up. <laughs> yeah, if you have less demand on the birth mother side, then first of all, you need to clear out your backlog. So. Put a freeze on accepting new clients. You know what I mean? If you if you're running out of money, then you have to reduce your services. You can't just you know that leave everybody totally in the wind. Yeah, or have a, a goddamn contingency plan for the people. Like a, you have a, a transfer over, right? Because right now the big problem is that they have all of our documents, like all the stuff that says that you know our daughter is our daughter and all the stuff that ties us to the what? to the government. You don't yeah. have copies of that? No, all we have is uh, documents that t- that have a contract for the company. Mm-hmm. We have some stuff, but nothing that says you know. We're in the process with the state. They have all that shit, and it's locked in their offices that are locked down right now. That's rough, man. Yeah, but at least we got a baby. So. You got the baby. Yeah. You got the important part. <laughs> so let's stop talking about the Debbie Downer shit. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> I was going to ask you, what was your biggest lesson, or if, if somebody was thinking of adopting, what would you tell them? Uh, it takes... A while, so be patient. So when we were going through the, the process with this company, mm-hmm. um, first of all, when we first like were researching, they were well above board. Mm. They were doing great. It seems like the ties kind of shifted last year when uh, one of the directors left and just shit happened. I can't really comment too much on that, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that's basically where stuff started going downhill. Um, but you have to be very fucking patient. That's my first, uh, I guess, <laughs> word of wisdom. You have to be patient. Because uh-huh. for us... Like you have to do all this paperwork right at like right up front, and it's like a lot of stuff, and it takes time. Mm. And then once you're done with that, you're kind of just like in the wind for a while. You have to somebody has to find you, you know. And if nobody finds you, then you might be waiting for a while. Or if your requirements are are, are stringent, then it's gonna take a while. So basically, what they do is for us, we did what's called an open adoption. It's kind of like a online dating. So we filled out a form that says, you know, basically this is what we're looking for in a child, and we basically checked. Every fucking checkbox. We didn't care, you know, <laughs> if we didn't care about the ethnicity. You were very open. Yeah, very open. We didn't, we didn't care. And we ended up getting a kid that was, you know, mixed African-American anyway. So, you know, it doesn't look too, I guess, out of the ordinary for us. Like most people just assume that she's our naturally mm, born got daughter. It. Yeah. Um, this is a plus. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's going to take time and it's going to take money. Um, but it's, it's worth it once you get your child. So Why is it worth it? Um, because once you get that baby, it's just like, Holy shit, like you're, you're a parent. That's what most people um, are looking forward to, right? Because there's a lot of people that go for adoption. They've already gone through a fucked up part of their life. Most mm. of them can't have kids. And figuring out that they can't have kids takes a long fucking time. Mm. And money because they're, they're trying to do – most people go and through a like – A very emotional process. Yeah, they're trying to go through like in vitro, right. all these hormones and stuff. That makes things kind of worse. Right. So. 
Um, but yeah. But you you have a child already. I do. I have a fourteen year old. So how how has having another child? How has that experience been different or similar? So, because I wasn't around when you had your first kid, so I don't know how yeah. lovey dovey you were about it. You know, it's uh, it's fucking weird. And <laughs> the thing is, is that I'm realizing that I was in a relationship that you were unhappy. Yeah, and yeah, so which I'm changes the whole. Yeah, and I can't remember shit. Ah, yes, I know that. Yeah, it's like your brain obliterates those memories, and it's fucking sad. Yeah, I think about it. I'm like, because I'm with you know. <laughs> My baby Riley, I'm just like I can't remember this stuff with my daughter Lily. Mm. I'm like I remember like I'm bonding. I'm reading how her. miserable you must have been with. The yeah, mom. it was yeah. really bad. Yeah, dude. It funny side story with my ex girlfriend who I was with for a long time. Near the end of the relationship, <laughs> it was truly uncontrollable. Every time we got an argument, my body would shut down. I would literally fall asleep. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, it's like literally when she we would start arguing, I I would try to stay awake. It's like somebody shot me with a tranquilizer dart, and <laughs> I would not want to hear it. I would like literally <laughs> fall asleep in the middle of the argument, like wow. every time, which is odd because it's never happened before or since then. So you were like narcoleptic to arguments. I was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> you know what's funny? That actually happens to fighters. That, that's why most fighters. Really? Yeah. So when fighters, um, if you notice, like uh, like Chuck Liddell is a perfect example. Okay. That guy. You know what I'm talking about? Chuck Liddell. Of course. Yeah. He used to be a badass of UFC course. fighter. Yeah. One he of his things. Yeah, and he had like one of the best chins in. in yeah. The industry, yeah. right? But what happens pastor. is, is that eventually your brain picks up on things. Like right. it doesn't want to take too much damage. So <laughs> you have you have your you have that chin for a long time, but once you get knocked out, your brain starts understanding. Like, hey, you're supposed if, to get knocked out. Yeah, you're supposed to because it's gonna make it's gonna make the damage stop. <laughs> right. right, and so that that's what the brain does for all those people. They're like, we're gonna take damage. This idiot is gonna fucking keep trying to fight. So let's just shut everything down. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because I remember she would get so pissed. At, I mean, of course she would get pissed. And, you know, I would literally be trying my hardest to stay awake. I'm like, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> and then I'm just out, you know. And that, and that probably didn't help. No, 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 no. That was, that was, that was an interesting. Um, that's when I really learned firsthand that your body will do things that you, you didn't even know it was capable of. Yeah, you're, you're barely in control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, are we going to talk about Trump, or do we talk about Trump actually? Already? Well, we're talking about we'll, we'll talk about in a minute, but okay. we got to talk about some good shit because sure, let's stay let's let's bring some positivity into this. Yeah. So while we're gone, you uh-huh. had a huge uh, career opportunity. That you I did. Yeah, I worked on this Samsung commercial. It was uh, like a six hundred thousand dollar commercial. It was the biggest thing I've ever produced. Uh, so I worked... you got fucky money now, or what? What's going on here? No, I kind of got. Fucked a little money. Oh, yeah, it was rough. It, you know, it was it, because... <clears throat> so basically, when you produce a commercial or film and you're the producer and the person, you know, the agency or the people with the money are coming to you, they, they give you uh, what's called either an open or closed budget. Mm-hmm. So open budget is when, like, you have to submit your entire budget and then they pay everything. A closed budget is like they tell you, okay, here's the total dollar amount you can spend up to. We're just going to give you the money. Mm-hmm. You got to get the job done whatever it takes and then usually producers take a closed budget so that they can keep the spread on what how much money they receive versus how much it actually costs for them to produce it right problem is on this commercial is that the people who agreed to the budget agreed to too little and actually it went over budget uh. because they agreed to not enough and also it was like an unfinished product like these half-baked ideas and then when the agency came from Korea um 
Actually, I'm not supposed to be talking about this stuff. Oh, but, you're under NDA? Uh, I didn't sign anything, but it's definitely um, not supposed to be talked about, which I will anyways. Um, <laughs> it was up to you, man. <laughs> it's not Samsung. It's uh, some other company, okay? It's, it's hot. I misspoke. It I misspoke when I said Samsung. It's, it's <laughs> another company. But uh, <laughs> I can edit this podcast if you want. <laughs> okay. Let me start this part over again. I'll tell you how serious they are. So when we did a camera test, we went to a camera house, and the owner of the camera house took a photo of the setup and typed in like something something hashtag Samsung, mm-hmm. and that's within a couple hours somebody from Samsung messaged my friend who was the producer and was like somebody is posting up behind the scenes photos. Oh man, those are fun though. But yeah, that's how <laughs> hardcore they were rolling on that yeah. shit. And so, anyways. Whatever, fuck it, who cares, Samsung. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a fucktard. But uh, the, the point is that, you know, uh, your budget gets fucked if your idea is not set because you have to make a budget out of what they want. And right. when they showed up, they totally changed what they wanted and it all costed way more and they added all these ideas to one over budget. Oh, yeah, people like jacking off in the fucking in the soup, didn't you? Pretty much. And yeah. so, you know... Uh, <laughs> I was not working for my salary. I was working for a bonus, you know, and yeah. uh, so that got pretty much wiped out. Um, Damn. So the money didn't was definitely not the fucking money. However, the experience was amazing because it was the hardest thing I ever did. I was responsible for everybody, all the you know big decisions that ended. You know, we're, we're burning like fifty to seventy grand a day. Damn. And if you're in charge of that and yeah. like little decisions, like for instance. We shot with four hot air balloons, and each balloon is $1,000 an hour. Damn. Yeah. And we had like 15000 allocated for those hot air balloons. So the first day, we had, hours, yeah. we had one hot air balloon come out for a couple hours to do camera tests. Mm-hmm. And then the second day, we brought out all four balloons. And when I realized that we were reaching our time limit. Oh, that's less than 15. I'm sorry. That's less than 15 because it's four. Four. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you have a very short window of time to execute yeah. this intense thing, and uh, and the director who I really loved, by the way, um, he uh, you know was doing the directing thing, which is you always push for the best, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, when I realized that they got the shot they wanted, and they were just shooting extra for the hell of it, you're like, nope. I was like, nah, y'all need to cut it off. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they like they kept going, and I was like, these motherfuckers. And so like I grabbed the walkie-talkie that like everybody was on and yeah. was like after the shot we are wrapping we are done yeah. and then they finished and then when they finished the main pilot uh walking me he was like good thing that you uh canceled that because if you went another 15 minutes it would have cost you another four grand and i'm <laughs> oh, like shit. yeah exactly motherfucker <laughs> yeah. that's you know so what i'm trying to illustrate is that when you're dealing with you know six high six figure budgets or million dollar budgets or whatever when you're the producer and you're making these decisions logistical decisions like it affects the bottom line like crazy yeah yeah. so the pressure was super intense and uh you know i pulled it off so i was very happy and uh yeah it was good for my good feather in my cap and uh i learned a lot and it kind of gave me this energy to just go out and really kick ass you know so it was cool so basically it's for samsung's new hd tv and when you go to like best buy and they have like those demo videos playing on the tv Mm -hmm. that's like what we shot oh nice yeah and when is that going to be released I don't know. They didn't tell us, but when it comes out, I'm going to go to Best Buy. I'm going to do a little screening night by myself. <laughs> Show up nice. and, and, and see my own handiwork. It was on the news uh, 
it, it was pretty cool actually. So it, it it's an interesting experience to be like on the backside of something that is so massive and all the work that it takes and uh I just realized I want to take that energy and transfer it into my own films though. Nice, nice. You know. Is that your first time producing cuz you're normally a director, right? I produce, but not like that. I mean, I've produced smaller stuff and I mm-hmm. produce my own stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, producing is uh, a skill that I have. It, oh, that that's another positive thing is that I always hated producing. I just did it because I had to. But mm-hmm. I actually grew to love producing because of this job. Because if you didn't learn to love it, you would get crushed. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a bad Asian in the sense that I suck at math. <laughs> I, I hate numbers, but because of that production, I really love became, you know, a lover of numbers and and math because especially when it comes down to your bottom line, right? Yeah, because yeah. it was like, you know. I could lose. I could get sued. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I don't yeah. execute this right, like it, it's pretty serious. So that's good, though. Yeah. So I was pretty happy. That's good. Yeah, Samsung is actually one of my favorite uh, companies out there. Yeah, you know what? They really grew and they really like deliver yeah. on a lot of stuff. So, so I'm not a Samsung hater at all, even with their exploding phone. <laughs> that one. Yeah, the, the one exploding phone. Yeah, the Note Seven. Too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Note. I think it's a four or, uh-huh. or maybe a five. I, don't, I can't fucking remember. But um. I yeah. got an S7 and it. I got an iPhone and an S7, and I like the iPhone and I like the Samsung for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like the thing that I like about Samsung is that if you have like all Samsung products in your house, shit fucking works. Like you can easily sling shit to your TV. Right. You don't need anything extra. It just fucking works. Well, that's why they say like <laughs> you know it's like PC versus Mac. Yeah. It's like with yeah. the iPhone, you get a more tailored experience but it's very limited in a lot of ways it's limited you know? customization yeah yeah and with samsung it's like you can pretty much set it up however you want and yeah. it becomes very seamless that's that's what i like i've never really been an apple fan because I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean i like apple because i'm i edit and stuff but yeah, yeah. i understand what you're saying well because me i was a you know pc gamer PC when i was gamer, growing up yeah. and there's there's no pc gaming on a fucking i know it Mac, sucks so. the games suck on yeah. w- one thing i do want to talk about later is patriotism sure being brown and, and a patriot what that means being brown and a patriot we'll talk about it now if you want sure yeah i mean because of what what happened with the elections and all the the craziness with uh facebook and social media after yeah um i noticed you know there's a lot of people that are like americans hating on america yeah and i realized like that's so stupid because in the end if if you cannot love America, like if you can't actually truly find things that you love about this country and being like a citizen of this country, what are you fighting for? Like, why are you even here? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I recognize there's deep flaws and there's there's uh, huge systems with with uh, errors and stuff, but at the same time, like, try living in Russia for a couple yeah. years and mouthing off and seeing how that works, you know? Yeah, like, go, go out protesting some, somewhere else. Right. I mean, the, <laughs> But the point is, like, if you're going to protest and fight, you, what are you fighting for? It's like, if you're in a shitty relationship and you're trying so hard to keep it together, like, what are you really doing that for? Like, there's yeah. got to be something that you want that is the positive that you're living for, you know? So I realized that... Um, if you're fighting for this country, you are a patriot. Um, but perhaps maybe be more conscious about that so that, you know, the criticism on being American is toned down a little bit. And it's more about, you know, fixing the problems, you know, for the sake of the potential and stuff like that, you know. 
Yeah, well, I, to me, it seems like it's been a, a us versus them mentality, mm-hmm. even like multi, like multiplier. I mean, under under uh, President Obama, there was obviously a huge divide that started there. Yeah. But it was on the other side, right? And so yeah. people were like complaining about President Obama. And I'm hearing the same sort of arguments now on the other side about President Trump. And it's like, you right. guys understand that you sound just like they did, <laughs> right. right? Right. Yeah, because like when uh, President Obama first got elected, they were like, oh, he's going to take all of our guns. And now they're just like, oh, they're going to get rid of uh, every minority. I'm like, well, probably not. No. You know, probably <laughs> not. But uh, yeah, and they're just, people are so angry right now. And I think that, uh, I mean, you're, you have the right to be angry. Sure, I, I, I think being angry is fine. And, yeah, you know, and but, you have the right to protest too, right? But I mean, the way that I think a lot of people are going about protesting is is ineffective at best. Like, yeah. if, if you're in destroying property, it's not effective at all. If you're protesting on a freeway, that's not effective at all. Like, really, I mean, you're gonna, yeah, you're going to get on the news, but you're not causing the pain. I, I mean, I think the it's the ratio of effort versus outcome. Yeah. Which is not effective. Because getting on the news, getting people to talk about it on social media, getting people to share articles is not truly effective. I agree. Um, and the, the one thing I do want to say, though, is that I realize that with everything that's going on and, and the growing divide, uh, since Bush, actually, I think, you know, I think Clinton was like the last years where people were like little less divided, you know? Yeah, and I think I can I feel bad for you know, Bush because the circumstances that he was under was pretty fucking shitty. So no matter what, no matter who was in there, like he's going to start his presidency, he's like, "All right, I got all these fucking plans." And then bam, 9/11 happens. All of his plans went out the fucking window. You know what I mean? So all he, he was in scramble mode, he made bad decisions, and then like everybody's kind of jumped on him for it, but it's like if you were any other president, like they all would have been kind of fucked in that situation. Yeah, that's true. I mean, not that they didn't profit off of that situation. Though. Oh, yeah, for sure. They, they they knew how to make money off of <laughs> that shit. They, but uh, but I guess what I was going to say is that between liberals and and by the way, I consider myself independent because I would vote for a Republican president if I truly believed in them. You know. Yeah. Um, it just hasn't happened <laughs> for you know. I, I voted for Republican. I voted for uh, Bush. Yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah. So, but either way, uh, you know. The point is, like, I consider myself more balanced. I'm willing to to look at a person for who they are, but or who I think they are. But uh, I realize, like, amongst the right and the left, there is whether they like to admit it or not, we are like in a civil war. And yeah, it is a battle for the soul of this country because yeah. you have two very polar opposite groups um, fiercely battling now. I mean, it's it's a war, isn't it? Let's Let's not mince our words. So, I'm a little... Yeah, um, it's, it's... The, it's the pendulum effect, right? And it's what happened when uh, when I saw President Bush. He made the pendulum go a little bit too far to the to the right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I'm like, dude, like you're going a little bit too far. And if you go any further, the pendulum effect is going to go back. And when it goes back, it's going to be way too far to the left. And then once that happens, it's going to go way too fucking far to the right. And that's See, where we're at right that's now. That's the problem is both sides have dug into these key issues that they put on their their flags as like their issues, yeah. which inherently makes it hard for the other side to even talk about it. Um, and I think that's a problem. You know, I think that... Um, well, especially when they're not issues that I would consider important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't consider like the whole... Um, 
with I'll start with President Obama and then work my way up to <laughs> to President Trump is that with President Obama I didn't consider the insurance thing the way they went about it important. Don't get me wrong, people deserve to have insurance, but the way they did it was so fucking shitty. Mm. Like basically they're 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 gonna it's a penalty to not have medical insurance. Mm. The only thing they did it, it's called the Affordable Health Care Act, but not a single thing in that act actually made the cost go down for anybody. Like mm. it made my cost go up. And for other people that are if you're poor you still can't afford health insurance. And now if you're really? poor, no, there's nothing you can, like if you're so poor that you can't afford health insurance, like you are forced to buy it. I thought if, it was free. It's not free. Oh, so even if you're poor, you're paying for it? Yes. And if, and if you can't pay for it, you get penalized in your taxes. But that's the, the thing I didn't understand. Like people that say that uh, health care is now free, it's not true. Like Medicare and Medi- is Medicaid it is free. cheaper at least? It's got to be cheaper for poor people. No, what, what it did, the only things that it did that were, that were good was that if you had pre-existing conditions. It allowed right, you to just keep getting coverage. It, yeah, it, al- it allowed you to keep paying for coverage. I see. Right? And so I guess that's good, but it, but they didn't put I mean, a cap on it. that's definitely good. Yeah. But, right? Is it good though if, if your deductible is you know $10,000 a year? Hmm. That's not good. Like you still can't afford health insurance. And that's happening to, to, to people. You know, that, that, that's a problem that I had with, with that whole thing. Like, I'm all for people getting health insurance, but if you kind of go about it in a half-assed way, like, I don't, I don't really understand. Mm. Like, I guess I don't have to do more research on that because I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, re- read into it because it's like, yeah. it's kind of messed up because, like, there's, there's a penalty of, like, $600 if you don't pay for health insurance in a year. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fucked up, so I hope you have health insurance. I <laughs> did. It just lapsed. I actually applied for the Affordable Care Act. Okay. Uh, through their website because the deadline was happening, but I didn't really read through the plan stuff. Um, yeah, I got to read through it because. But I wasn't actually, to be honest, I wasn't really planning on. I was just kind of curious about the application process, but mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to get my own health care because yeah, you know, I had a. You know, I've had different ones, and and I realized like, uh, if you're going to pay for it, just pay for the one that you want. Yeah, like I, I always <laughs> get like. One of the most expensive plans. Uh-huh. I have like what's called the quote unquote Cadillac plan. I always get a PPO. Yeah. Because I want to go where the fuck I want. And I like going to Stanford. Mm. So, but there's like people out there where it's like they're they're getting coverage that is kind of shitty, but with a high deductible that, I mean, technically they have insurance, but it's like you still have to pay the deductible. You know what I mean? Mm. I think if they, what they what they could have done was kind of go more on the liberal side and make it so that. Um, it's paid for through taxes, mm. right? Instead of making people pay, basically what they did is they they guaranteed private companies are going to get paid insurance, and that's the whole problem that I had. It's like this is the first time in American history where we're forcing private citizens to pay for to pay into a private system that's mm. not controlled by the government. You know what I mean? That that's a huge problem. That's that definitely I had. not cool. Yeah, because that look at the stock rates of all those fucking insurance companies. They they Just went one way up. Yeah, way up. Because they were guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, dude, That's pretty fucked. why am I paying a private company? Like, if you want to have the Affordable Health Care Act, make a goddamn government system for it. You know what I mean? That is true. Hmm, interesting. That must have been some sort of right-wing capitulation. Well, it was just, they, they just, they messed up. They, mm. The bill was so big that nobody read it, right? <laughs> and, I, and I read through, like, the keynotes, and I was just like, this shit doesn't make sense. Yeah. So Interesting. And, okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that. Um, so let's let's talk about our new unfortunate the president. Donald. Yeah, the yeah. Donald. I have a theory about Mr. Donald Trump. Trump. What's your theory? My theory is I don't think he's reading anything that he's signing. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. I, I think that there's a, a 
basically the gang, his gang came in. They've been systematically uh, putting themselves in the position to rape the economy as much as they can and profit for each of their individual causes or whatever the fuck that they want. And it will be at the cost of the American people and the international community, to be honest. Yeah, some of them don't even make sense. Um, no, it's definitely like... I mean, before you go on, I just want to say that's why like, I, I really hate the narrative that liberals are saying that Donald Trump and his administration are stupid and they don't know what they're doing. No, they know exactly what they're doing. I think it's pretty clear that they're doing exactly what they want. So, you know, let's not listen. I think that's actually a huge fallacy of liberals is to treat the enemy as stupid. Yeah, if, if they're beating you, they ain't that fucking stupid. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they own the majority of everything right now in this country and they're doing exactly what they want. So they're not stupid. They just are a little fucked up. <laughs> well, well, but they did capitalize on um, democratic um, inadequacies, really. I mean, what mm-hmm. they did with uh, what's his name? Uh, shit, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, that's burned like a hole in most people's brain. I know because that, that's what most people wanted, and then when they saw democratic what happened, the Democratic Party yeah, fucked themselves. Like they really that. did. Yeah, they um, lost trust. Yeah. But also, I mean, you know, he won the electoral college, which shows there's some deep systematic issues with that. And I think if Democrats want to start uh, or not get in that situation again, they're going to have to do a lot of heavy work to impact that system. Because when you look at the map of red versus blue states and how they voted electorally, yeah, they got no power, man. They they they're getting worked. Well, you know? and the problem is, so people. This is going to go back to protesting and how yeah. ineffective it is. <laughs> is that well, right now? It, don't get me wrong; it's worked in the past. It's been very obvious. Yeah. I can't argue with that. Sure, protesting is an important part of American culture. It's just not yeah. the most effective part, especially the way change. they're doing it now. So, like, yeah. this is a a good example. Is that after President Trump got elected, mm-hmm. people started protesting in the obviously blue states. People, if, if you're wondering why we have an electoral college, people are all up in arms about that shit right now. If we didn't have an electoral college, which I don't agree completely with, but if you didn't have it, the president would only be, um, only four states would matter, and that's it. It's only right. California, New York, Florida, and Texas. Yeah. That's it. I was going to say, if, yeah. it, if it was done correctly, California would actually decide the presidency every, yeah. every election. And that's that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't, you can't have... You know, one or four states having right. that much power. So that's right. the reason why I have the electoral college. Right. Um, but, but they thing, do got to figure out a new system. They do. Yeah. But the thing is that people were protesting about President Trump in blue states. And I'm like, okay, you're going to protest in a state that didn't vote for the guy anyway. How yeah. effective is that message? Might as message? well get on a fucking plane and go protest in Exactly. <laughs> go to fucking Wyoming. Go to yeah. goddamn, you know, where, somewhere right. else and protest Or better there. yet, <laughs> move there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Open up offices. But I'm sorry. I cut you off in the very beginning. What were you going to say about Trump now that we've we've given him the chance? You gave him the chance? I gave him the Last chance. Last time we talked, you were like, I'm going to give him the chance. And I was like, okay, I'll give him a chance too. Yeah, give him a chance. and uh, give him he, a chance. He has, he has failed. Um, He's failed. The straw that broke the camel's back for me was the uh, the refugee situation. Mm. To be honest with you, for me it was the environment, as I had noted in the beginning. That's a good one that you brought up because people were bringing up the EPA thing, yeah. and uh, well, 
excuse me, sorry, mm-hmm. I'm going to burp on the mic. <laughs> While the environment is obviously a big issue, the EPA is fucked up. So when they shut down the EPA, I'm like, fine. They have a huge history of fucking up in recent history. Mm. Flint, Flint, Michigan is still fucked up. They still can't drink their own goddamn tap water. Where the fuck is EPA for that shit? Mm. Where the fuck were they for Deepwater Horizon? They fucking signed off on all that shit, right? Why didn't they inspect anything? Uh, what was another recent one? There was a whole. There's there's been a string of them fucking up shit that are that, with no consequence to anybody in the EPA. But it's not just the EPA. It's like NASA and like a bunch of other. Org- For me, my problem is that their muzzling of anything environmental is is not about the environment or their performance of that from that department. It's about them creating openings for their companies to totally rape the economy, which is going to involve fucking up the environment. But you know? the thing is that that already happened, right? So under President Obama, and this is a criticism that I've had since you know <laughs> he's been president, is that we've upped fracking by so much. You know what I mean? And it's affecting drinking water. The, uh, the thing about the, uh, the Dakota Pipeline, he signed that shit. Like, he, they, like under his administration... They said it was okay. The only reason why it stopped is because the protests, the protests, which is effective protesting because they were at the site that actually fucking mattered. Right. They weren't protesting in California; they were protesting at the fucking site. That's effective. Still temporarily effective. Since yeah, it's <laughs> now been signed again. Right, but it's something that you know originally that administration signed off on, right. and you know the fracking. There's a bunch of other things too that that were there that could have been fixed that were not fixed. But wouldn't you think that still under the Trump administration that the environment's going to get raped more than under a Democratic administration? No, because under the last administration, it already got raped. But nobody made, paid attention to it. Like Gang rape, though. Like I, I mean, think, what I I'm trying the, to say is like them muzzling all these scientific departments mm-hmm. from national parks, you know, for sure, yeah. to NASA. Yeah is indicative of a very nefarious plan for their companies to do whatever the fuck they want. Well, I think... It's a lot easier for you to sign contracts internationally with these countries and do whatever you want when you don't have your own watchdogs reporting on the results of your actions. Right. I guess... You know? We're going to have to wait, unfortunately, wait and see what happens because I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. I don't think anybody does really know what's going to happen with all this... Silencing of scientists. Um, I'll tell you what was weird, though. Well, not weird. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a fuck you move. Was when he fired the attorney general because she... oh yeah, she defied him. Yeah. I mean, the interesting about this administration is like this is definitely the first time in history where so many departments and people that supposed to, are supposed to work for you are like openly defying you. Yeah, I mean, you got to be doing something fucked up for that to happen. Yeah. So, but anyways, what, what, why are you, so the, oh, the ban, the, the, the immigration ban. Yeah, the immigration ban, that, uh. That was your big thing. That really pissed me off. Um, that, that's when I was just like, you know what, you can't do that. And I don't want to say, I've said it before, but I don't consider it racist policy because banning a religion is not racist. It's an ideology, right? He didn't say brown, or ban brown people. He said he's, he's banning Muslims from certain countries, which is. It's fucked up, but it's not racist, like, by definition, right? He's not banning an ethnicity. He's banning a a religion, which is fucked up. It's prejudice. Yeah. But, you know, at at the same time, though, um, I I sort of understand where they're coming from, but not really, because they're worried about, like, obvious facts that are happening right now in other countries that have accepted uh, refugees, like Germany is a perfect example, where their their rapes have gone up by 90% (laughs) because of refugees. There's literally signs that are saying, don't grab women. 
on the streets. You're right. Yeah. And I'm I, like, I've heard of stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff like that is, is true. However, Germany's not America. Germany fucking lost. All right. We're fucking awesome. We're America. We're like, we're, we're, we're way more versed in accepting immigrants mm. than most other countries, like the vast majority of other countries. Um, we it's have a, the land of opportunity. It is. And, and we have a way of indoctrinating people into America that most other countries don't. That's why when you see uh, immigrants we blunt here. their senses with reality shows. And, and you know, fucking fast food. Fast food. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I hear what you're saying. I think, but see, I do subscribe to the theory. See, here's the thing. I always think everything in politics comes down to money and power. Yeah. Money and power, money and power, money and power. If you want to know why anybody's doing anything, it's always going to lead to money or power or and or. So the way that they executed the ban and the way that they uh, came off of it, backpedaling and spinning it, to me, there's doesn't seem to be any profit in what they did. To me, it seems like they just did it to please a certain group of people, but more importantly give them cover to do because while the news was going crazy about that those bands they signed a whole bunch of documents that allowed the and fired like i saw a chart of like the uh justice department and like who got fired it was like the entire department yeah. they left like three people you know <laughs> what i mean and then now there's talks of like uh you know uh he, he's expanding homeland security for his own purposes He's going to bring his own intelligence group in to run. He doesn't have an intelligence group. But the point is that, you know, <laughs> well, but the point is that they're they're building their own infrastructure right, within right. the U.S. government. And like, for instance, the the same uh, group that leaked the whole thing about, you know, Trump pissed, getting pissed on or whatever the fuck. Which is totally not true. Yeah, I don't even care about that. Yeah. But the point <laughs> is that um, people who are watching them. There was a part of that leak where they talked about that Putin supposedly promised Trump 19% of his oil company if they were to lift certain uh, sanctions, blah, 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 Hmm. which they did. And then magically, 19.5% of that company was sold and disappeared into offshore companies like in the Cayman Islands Hmm. and blah, blah, blah. All right. So, so that's the kind of stuff you got to look into, which yeah. is like they always say follow the money, and I yeah. firmly believe that it's like there's no money in a ban, but to me it's just a very classic which I think Republicans are very good at is you know, a magic trick basically is like shaking this thing over here yeah. and getting everybody riled up and then over there they're like doing the actual trick, you know. Yeah. So that's how I see it. Well, I think I mean Democrats are are, are pretty good at it too. Yeah, I mean, they they want to talk about how we're going to end these wars, yet we've dropped like that is true. tens yeah, of thousands right. of bombs. You know what? That must just be <laughs> politics. It's politics. Yeah, you're right, and that's true. I, that was definitely a criticism I had of Obama is that he came into the office with all these promises and then immediately signed all these orders to like continue and extend all these policies. But they but they had really cool catchphrases like "no boots in the ground." All yeah, right. but you're dropping bombs from the sky, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's they like, don't need those boots no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Come on, man. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, we're. I just want to see somebody that comes in that's in the middle, you know, more towards the middle. I think that's where most of America is at. They don't really care about these kind of ancillary things that are near the edges, the fringes of, like, shit. Mm-hmm. I think they want to have people that are worried about, like, important shit that really affects us, like taxes and shit like that, and, like, fixing our goddamn roads and infrastructure. You know, th- those are important things, and, like, bring down costs of things instead of... You know what? Okay, so with with Trump, I will say one thing I am still waiting on to see is how 
his business policies will affect the economy because mm-hmm. he is doing some crazy shit that will like either help or hurt a lot. Yeah, well, I don't there, know. But you don't know. Well, there's one that affects my industry. So I'm in the IT industry. I'm, I'm a, mm-hmm. like a pretty high up uh, IT guy. Mm-hmm. But um, there's one that's an H1B1 visa. Yeah, visa. Mm-hmm. Um, they're increasing. You have to make 135 thousand, which a is year. fucking ridiculous. That's yeah. way too goddamn high to um, stay. Yeah, that that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. And you know the thing is, I did research. You know who you know who put in that bill? Hmm. It's a goddamn. It's a Democrat from fucking Silicon Valley. I was like, "What the fuck?" He must hate Indians. Yeah, I'm like, dude, that's, all, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Indians are taking all of our jobs, but it's like, dude, most of them come over here and they stay here and they they, they pay, pay taxes and shit. Yeah, people don't know what the fuck we're talking about. The H one B one visa, it's a visa that came over here to work. Right. And what they did was they took the minimum wage that you had to make to get that visa from sixty thousand dollars to one hundred thirty thousand dollars. It's crazy. And I don't, I can't think of any company that would take an immigrant from another country. And pay them that much money right off the bat. And I could pay somebody here. Yeah. I mean, well, see that that might be the whole purpose of it is uh, only keep the higher earning people that I guess theoretically are worth more. Well, that that, that creates two problems though. Mm-hmm. First problem is is that you're going to make it so that jobs that don't meet that criteria are going to stay in India. So that's going to take away American jobs. Second of all, it's going to take away higher paying American jobs from Americans. <laughs> that are ing- that aren't immigrants. So I'm like, either way, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Wait, why would that take away from citizens? Because if, if you're going to hire an immigrant that makes that that is that highly skilled, there's another highly skilled guy in America that could po- possibly do that too. Mm-hmm. But you're going to take the Indian over the other guy, right? So I or or you're not because the the cost is so high. You know what I mean? So it's like either you're you're going to take that guy and potentially lose out an American job, or not to th- take that guy and then leave the job in India. So it's really it's a no win situation. I, I do foresee a problem that uh, our education system is very weak. For sure. So well, it's it's broken. We're gonna ha- yeah, we're gonna have to fix that if if we're gonna be replacing those empty jobs with American jobs. I, it's funny because people go crazy over illegal immigration. I don't give a fuck about that. Those are those are stupid ass jobs. I'm like, dude, yeah, <laughs> that's my friend. When I were talking about it. We're like, dude, the people that like sneak over the border come to America. So they could clean your toilet. Yeah. They ain't come like, over here to fucking they, they fix your farm router. Your land. <laughs> like they, they literally do the jobs that nobody wants to do. Yeah. And Well, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Somebody will do it. There are poor people that will do that job. I don't think so, man. I I think the economy the economy of certain industries like farming, let's say, there's no white boys in the fucking farms well, picking shit. The only reason why is because we have uh social services that deal with that, right? So we have welfare and shit like that that are going to pay you more money that you would get paid in the well, that's fields what I'm as a immigrant. To pay, yeah. to pay for a white man, a white American to work in the fields like a Mexican, the the salary would have to double or triple. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is I don't know if that's economically feasible no. for all the farm workers to get paid the way that they want, yeah. that's why we need those illegal immigrants. If there's a good documentary, A Day Without a Mexican. <laughs> I heard about that one. I yeah, watched it. Though, they yeah. outline a lot of stuff about, you know, the actual cost of a single day without a Mexican, yeah. you know, without Mexican people. And so, um, I don't know. But at the same time, you know, it's funny. Like, even as a brown American, I do appreciate the process of legal immigration and so i'm not against people uh 
being concerned about about you know because you know the middle class especially lower working class definitely lost a lot of work going overseas you know yeah yeah so you know i'm not against like fixing things but the way that the ban happened and all that stuff is definitely very xenophobic and uh yeah well the problem that i i the thing that really pissed me off is that we're part of the problem of why they're refugees to begin with. Like, we are. There, there's, <laughs> that there's is no also denying true. This. Let's go deeper on that. Yeah. That is true. So, so I'm like, can we not help these people? I mean, for real. Yeah. Um, the thing that I had when I first heard about it, I was like, okay, well, if, if they just do enhanced you know, background checks, then you know, let them in. That's okay. Yeah. yeah I was like, the, the ban is fine temporarily for enhanced checks. And then I looked into it, and I was like, well, that's what President Obama did. So I'm like, okay. He already set so up. He already what, did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Kind of. So I'm like, then I looked up like how hard it is to actually be a refugee to come to America, and it's fucking hard. I'm sure it is. Yeah. So I'm like, he already fixed that problem. Yeah. So why are we doing this again? I, I do believe it was truly just a campaign of shock and awe to distract you from the real things that they were doing, which again entrenching themselves in the government to make a lot of money. Because even if he were impeached, or you know only had one term, he's set up to make way more money than he was making before. And his whole gang is like gonna gonna cash cow off of that. So yeah, that's what I see. All their actions are just a reflection of their secret agenda. Yeah, real quick, I'm gonna go on a a, a rant mm-hmm. that might make you uncomfortable because you're not okay. you're not a veteran. So. Oh sure, <laughs> um, I, I respect veterans though. I've seen a lot of things going around on social media talking about how it's mostly it's everybody from the right mm-hmm. that are saying basically how we should not have any. Uh, refugees when we have homeless veterans. Okay, so if you're if you were in the military at some point, I'm gonna say some shit that's probably gonna piss you off, but I don't give a fuck because it's fucking true. <laughs> Look, if you're a veteran in America, your life is infinitely better than a fucking refugee in the goddamn Middle East. So you can fuck you if you want to sit there. First of all, whoever the fuck posted shit like that, what the fuck have you done to help a veteran, yeah. a homeless veteran? Have right. you done anything? Have you done a single fucking thing right. to help a veteran? If you haven't, then shut the fuck up and sit down. I don't want to see you see. I don't want to see anything from you about that shit. <laughs> Second of all, do you understand that somebody's fucking home was blown up by fucking drones or by possibly somebody in the fucking military? Yeah, you know that that might be a homeless veteran. Like that's way. Like I'm pretty sure a homeless veteran's family is okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they. Deal they with PT- live in hell over there. Yeah. Dealing with PTSD is hard. I deal with PTSD. Mm. I'm affected by this shit. Mm. But I'm moving on. Mm. You know what I mean? In America, you have every opportunity to make it. You have programs in America from the VA, which is fucked up, but you still have the opportunity there to help you out. If you're a refugee in another country, you don't have some shit like that. You don't have fucking welfare. You don't have the, v- you don't have the VA. You don't have a place to sleep at night because you're going to get fucking killed. Or your family's going to get fucking killed. So for you to sit there and try to compare... Veterans in America, veterans in America, to refugees that war refugees in another country. There's no comparison there. I'm sorry, mm, there's not. No, I agree with that. I think that's another case of of, of false comparisons and, and pointless comparisons. Because I, I do think what makes the country great theoretically is that um, it is not about one group. It's about everybody, and it's the opportunity for everybody. Yeah, um, worldwide. So. Uh yeah, we we, we guarantee up we we have opportunities in America. What you do with the opportunities is up to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So if, if you happen to fail in America, that's not necessarily America's fault. You know what I mean. That it's very possible, more more than likely, it's your fucking fault that you made poor choices. 
for for veterans, don't get me wrong. There there are some circumstances there that where it's not poor choices, right. uh, unless you consider joining the military poor choice. Yeah, I was about which to is say, arguable. That's a rough one, though. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like one of those life experiences where you don't really know what's going to happen until yeah, you, you do don't. it. Yeah, you, you basically you you sign your life you yeah. sign your life over for eight years minimum, yeah. of eight years, yeah. and that's just the way it is. I did the same fucking thing. Yeah. I had good and bad experience, but I'm I'm working with what I have now. After that. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you want to sit there and talk about how veterans that are homeless, like, I think that's a, a, a worse, that makes our government look worse, not refugees look worse. You know what I mean? Like, our government has failed our veterans if they're homeless. That, that is a good point. Um, I guess I can't elaborate too much, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to I'm talk sure about. I'm sure you pissed yeah. off some people. Who I don't give a fuck. But yeah, who gives a fuck? Yeah. We just are having opinions. That's yeah. all. Uh, let's talk about uh. <laughs> there's the thing about well, let's make it a little funny, I guess. Black barbers, the black barbers, yeah, love them black barbers. Why don't you talk about it? Because for me, it's normal. <laughs> for you, it's normal. <laughs> well, yeah. okay, I you know it's funny because uh, I've seen barbershop. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of a culture around barbershops. Never experienced it until. Really? Well, okay. until I uh, needed a haircut. I usually cut my own hair, but, you know, one day I was like, you know what? There's this, uh, on East 14th, there's this uh, barbershop that's on the corner, and I always see people kicking it out there, and I wanted a haircut one day, and I was <laughs> that's like... That's university now, not East 14th. How dare you? Oh, really? Did you change it? Oh, well, I guess it depends how close you are to Oakland. If you're in Oakland, it's university. If you're uh, outside of Oakland, it's... San <laughs> yeah, San Leandro. Okay, San so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's all these people kicking it all the time, and I just needed a haircut one day, and I was, like, right there. So I just pulled over. I went in, sat down. I was the only Asian guy in there. But, uh, actually, no, the, one of the barbers was Asian, though. There okay. was, like, five different... Anyways, I got the black barber, though. I wanted the full experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh... You know, they first they looked at me funny, like, "What is this Asian boy in here?" And and uh, I sat down with this guy, and man, when I got out of there, I was like converted. I was like, <laughs> "This is amazing!" Like they treat my hair in a way that nobody else. Asian, see, the problem with Asian barbers are like they cut your hair. It's very much like a Chinese restaurant. Like they seat you and they <laughs> the, cut you, and they're like, in, "Get the, fuck, get the out. fuck out!" You know, like they're giving you the check before you're done eating. You know. And there's no emotion about it. And, you know, when I went to this barbershop, you know, we're chilling, we're talking, you know, and he's, like, doing stuff I've never had done before, like putting powder on my head and, like... (laughs) That's so weird to me because it's, like, normal. (laughs) I know, but for me, I never had that in my life. And I just came out feeling like a million bucks. Um, And I had, like, a social interaction, you know? So it it was really... uh, a life-changing experience. And when they talk about social interactions, like you'll the your barber and you will talk about like some deep shit. Yeah. Like for real. Like anything. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but for you it's normal. Yeah, well actually, <laughs> I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but yeah. there's actually a level over black barbers that I'll talk about, oh. but it's overseas. All I right. See. So, um <laughs> it's funny that what we're talking about, the reason why I bring it up yeah. is because there was a Facebook post about this white dude. Yeah. That for his first time, went to a black barber, and yeah. he was just like, "Oh my god, it's so much better!" Like, fixed my hair. Yeah, like took like he said it took Spent him like an, an hour. hour. Yeah, <laughs> which is, I mean, that's not unheard of. You know what I mean? I so, was like blown away. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a really cool experience to actually get your your hair cut by somebody that gives a. F- I'm not saying that white people don't give a fuck, but there's like a, there's a different mm-hmm. level of yeah. There's a different level of yeah. expectations. I think it's almost like a church when you go yeah. to a black barber. 
that most people don't understand. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. There's almost like a social, cultural ritual that goes around getting your hair cut. Yeah. Yeah, if if you go to a black barber and you don't talk to them, it's kind of weird. That would be really awkward. Yeah. So, what the fuck is I going to say? Shit. I fucking lost my train of thought. But there's a in America, it's really cool to uh, to go to a black barber and, and interact and, and see like, oh, that's what it was. Sorry. So my other podcasts are you know people are listening to this. This is under Black and the Black Counts Infinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was there was somebody on Twitter who's also a podcaster that had criticized our podcast, saying that uh, it sounded like uh, barbershop talk. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Because barbershop talk is fucking awesome. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that shit was funny to me. But Get anyway. on the bus or shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Is, is it possible for us to pause for a second? We can. I got to pee so bad. All right. Back at it. Hopefully this works. Hopefully this didn't get all fucked up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're talking about black barbers. Black barber is awesome. If you've never been to a black barber as an Asian man, I would highly recommend giving it a try. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. If you're a male, they know how to cut your hair. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> going to give us some love you never had before. It might be an applicable situation where you use the phrase, once you go black, you don't go back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you know what black barbers are really good at. Uh, they know if they have a new client, yeah, they they will treat you. They like... They treat you extra good to exactly. make sure, yeah, because yeah. that's their livelihood, right? Yep. Um, every time, <laughs> you know, what's funny is like I have a barber. I go to uh, Yindis, and uh, he, he's in Fremont, and I haven't seen him in like a couple months because mm. I've been, you know, I've been doing, I've been over uh, been in busy. a different state and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, every time I come back after a while, man, it's just like, like I never left. You know, I'll, mm. I'll apologize, be like, hey, man, sorry, it's been a while. And I, I had to cut my own hair. I feel bad. I cut my own hair because <laughs> it was getting too fucking long. But he doesn't give you shit. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't give me shit. So it's, <laughs> it's been pretty cool. But I'll tell you what is actually better than an, than an American black barber. All right, <laughs> and I'm not shitting on American black barbers because you're fucking awesome. Yeah. Like I would have never known this fact until I went overseas. <laughs> all right, so if you go to the Middle East, mm-hmm. let a Middle Eastern dude cut your hair. Hmm. I, I will warn you, it's going to seem a little gay at the end. All right, I'll explain it here in a second. All right, first time I had a Middle Eastern guy cut my hair is when I was in Africa. All right, so I was in Africa. I was in uh, Djibouti. Okay, which is on the east coast near uh, near Somalia and Ethiopia. Well, near Somalia, and so I went to go get a haircut when I was in the Marine Corps, and I sit down, and this dude, like, I tell him what I want, and he he uh, first of all he starts cutting my hair, and it's just like he's doing an amazing job, right? I'm like, all right, this is cool, normal like clippers and shit. All this dope stuff, you know, what I'm used to with a black barber, all right? Mm-hmm. Then this dude, but he doesn't talk very much because I think there was like a language barrier. Uh-huh. Then this dude, he takes out a safety razor. He takes it out of the package, holds it in between his index finger and his thumb, and then he starts fading my shit Whoa. with the safety razor. Just like, you know, like wow. with his fingers. I was like, holy fucking shit. And then after that, the dude gives me like a scalp massage and then a back with this. That's the kind of game because you're not expecting it. Like, you used to just give your haircut, get the fuck out. All right? They give you, like, a scalp massage and, like, a back massage. Uh-huh. And it's just, like, it's kind of weird, but it's, like, it's the best fucking experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go for that. Yeah. And, like, That's pretty funny. And I thought it was just, like, maybe that guy. Mm-hmm. But then I went when I went to Iraq and Qatar and stuff, they do the same really? thing. Really? Yeah. In totally different countries. They, they didn't do the straight razor thing, but they give, like, the whole, like, mm-hmm. head scalp massage and back massage. And I like that, haircut. man. Yeah. I'm down for that. So, yeah. Um... Definitely up your barber experience if uh, if you're going to a barber that's just like like a supercuts in and out. Fuck that. Go find a fucking black barber. 
or even a Mexican barber or any other kind of barber that's kind of in a shitty neighborhood, you probably get a dope ass haircut. Speaking of surprise service, I have a funny story. Um, this is a totally unrelated anecdote. I have a friend that is a uh, massage therapist, <laughs> and she's been trying to get me on the table for a long time. And finally, um, obviously, I'm not counting on her listening to this podcast. But if it happens, <laughs> you're awesome. You get a happy ending. I mean, <laughs> no, but that's okay. So basically, so she's giving me giving me the massage. She's really good. She's like working on you know all the parts that are like fucked up. And then she turns me over on my back, and I'm like, I like to fall asleep during massages too. Yeah, and uh, and I'm getting really sleepy, and then she, I hear her talking to me, and I kind of like am drifting in and out, and then I realize what she's saying, and she's going like, Yeah, you know, it's totally normal for guys when they get massages, like because <laughs> the, <laughs> the blood starts flowing and all this stuff, and I realize I got a fucking boner. <laughs> She's like massaging my thigh, you know, and I got a fucking Woodrow, <laughs> and uh, and I was like thinking like. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah, it's the blood flow, <laughs> and I, actually, I was just horny, you know. But yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, whoever gave you that explanation, thank you very much. And I just, like, <laughs> went back to sleep. I was like, fuck it. I got I got a Woody. Yeah. And um, that has nothing to do with what you just said or what not, we're about to talk about. I'm glad but... you brought that up because every time I get a massage, I have to think about, like, how not to get a boner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I prefer massages from women. Yeah. And um, I get a boner like every time, almost. Yeah, it's it, it's difficult not to. Especially, you know, it's what's really awkward to. is when you're getting a fucking couples massage. And you're like, <laughs> don't get a fucking boner, you know. So here, here goes. I got a funny massage story too. <laughs> so when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, it was right after I got married. I went on what's called the Marine Expeditionary Unit, which is where you go in our Pacific Ocean, like traveling shit on a boat. Mm-hmm. So we went to Guam, and you know, I was super tight because I was a Marine and all that shit. And I was just like, I, I need to get a massage. So we're in Guam. And we get a taxi. And I tell the taxi driver, because it's me and another guy. I'm like, I need a massage, but I don't want a whorehouse. Like, I'm not trying to get... You want an actual massage. Yeah, I want an actual <laughs> massage. I'm like, no whorehouses. He's yeah. like, okay, no whorehouses. I'm like, cool. So we get there. We pull up to a pink building, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, bruh. Bruh. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, no, 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 don't worry. So I walk in there. Uh, I think she was a, a Thai chick. Uh-huh. She gives me a massage. She gives me the whole walk in the back thing. Turns me over and she's like, "So we have sex now?" I was like, "Motherfucker!" How <laughs> <laughs> <I> was the? <laughs> so I was like, "I was like, no, no sex." I was like, "Oh, I was like, you know, I'm married." Yeah. And she was like, "Oh, so, uh, so I jack you off?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> like, you know, I was like, "Man, that shit was, was crazy." That's pretty funny. I remember I got kicked out once because I went to a massage parlor when I was like, like nineteen or twenty, and. uh I went in and and then I asked for just a massage, and she got so mad, she kicked me out. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because she was like a because like I went to a whorehouse for a oh. regular massage. Man, you think that would be easy money? You know what I mean? That's what I thought. Yeah. You know, I just thought, oh, a hot chick, give me a back rub. That's cool. But um, you know, apparently it wasn't enough money for her. So wow. Yeah. But uh, that's I fucking like brutal, massages. man. All right, so let's talk about what you were just talking about before we uh, are right. In between the pause. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Let me read this headline. So it's I just about saw this, Hidden Figures. Saw this headline. Hidden Figures. I haven't seen the movie. I know you've seen it, but 
Uh, I'm surprised because we've talked about it on my other podcast. I think you're blacker than all of us on the other podcast because you talk about <laughs> shit. All the black films I watched that you well, haven't watched it's yet. It's not even just that. Uh. It's just like you you sent me a, a text a, a while ago <laughs> and you're like, so are you going to go to this black comics thing? And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, it's, it's like right now. Yeah. And I was like, I had no fucking idea there was like a black comics thing going on. Yeah. Like as in comic book thing. Right. right. And I was like, dude, Henry's blacker than this. Sorry, <laughs> Bunny Man's blacker than this. Buddy, I was like, because none of us knew. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, you know, I did have some pride in that moment. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping up. I'm, 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 I'm being legit. You but know? he hasn't contacted us yet. I want him on the podcast. Oops, oh, I haven't emailed him yet. I got. Oh. I was gonna do email with both you guys because we definitely want to have him on the podcast. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Um, yeah, no, you know that's funny. On a side note, I never, I never, ever in my life was one of those people that wanted to be black, that thought I was black, like a wigger or something like that. Oh. Um, uh, I don't know if that is that word decommissioned now. That seems, seems a little bit. I keep uh, seeing it, and it's still uh, offensive to me. So yeah, I was about to say <laughs> right when I said it, I was like, oh, there's got to be a better word for that. No, I, I, I apologize. No, not, I'm, I'm not offended about you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, it's a word that's just like. But now that I said it, I'll, I'm going to think about a better word for that. I don't think there is one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways, a white boy that thinks they're black, or Asian boy that thinks they're black. Yeah. Um. So I and I never. I've always been proud of being Asian. I've been. I, I'm happy being Korean, but I appreciate the shit out of black people. So I and I do believe that you know taking an interest in black centric events is important in being a true part of the community. So that's you know. Why I texted you about that? I was like, oh, I, th- I assumed you were going to be there. No, I really no assumed you. And you were like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Because if we were going to, we would have got press passes. I got to go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> your your boy Sean was there. Yeah, which would have been interesting. Well, I mean, he's still on good terms with like the rest. Of yeah. yeah, I mean. He didn't even remember who I was. Are you serious? It was hilarious. Yeah, I went up there to say hi, and he was just like. You know, like, yeah. gave me this blank look. I was like, oh, he doesn't even know who I am. I'm going to just back away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, all us Asians look alike. I'm not going to talk shit about anybody else. Anybody else. I'm trying not to. It's all love. So, yeah. He's a, he's, a, he's a cool guy. He's doing his thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the funny... <laughs> doing his thing, he's just not invited to our camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the... It's just... The, it's just a difference, a difference of opinion, like in just life philosophies. That's I agree. I mean, look. I mean, look at me. That. I'm talking about Constance Wu. Yeah, yeah. She's Asian. I got, yeah. I got love for the Asian cause, but everybody's has their own approach, you know. Well, the thing is, is that look for for me and like the other guys in mm. the podcast. I think it's true for you as well. It's mm. like I don't need to to lay a whole ethnicity low to mm. make myself feel better. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is true. I, that's why I wanted to do the podcast with you guys is because I noticed that you guys are very. Um, open to criticizing yourself, yeah. which I think is actually crucial to actually developing and improving. You know, um, so we're on the same page. But anyways, yeah, I uh, I'm gonna read this headline now. Hidden Figures director defends decision to add fictitious white savior scenes to movie. So apparently, director Theodore Melfi, who I'm assuming is not black. <laughs> <laughs> has admitted to whitewashing a couple scenes in the Oscar-nominated Hidden Figures. Um, basically, uh, when interviewed by Vice, Theodore Melfi said there's nothing wrong with placing a white savior into the story because, quote, 
There needs to be white people who do the right thing, he said. There needs to be black people who do the right thing, and someone does the right thing. And so who cares who does the right thing as long as the right thing is achieved? Comments, please. Yeah, he's a white guy. Oh, he's super not black. Yeah. I thought like he might have been a light skinned black guy, but yeah, right. that that's a white guy. Yeah, the picture was small. Sorry. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you don't need uh. First, though, let's talk about white savior syndrome in films. Yeah, it does happen a lot. Like uh, like the Last Samurai, I think, is a uh-huh. perfect example of like a white savior in Japan. Which no, yeah, you know what I mean. I, it's I, basically like for a Hollywood film to be greenlit that is starring all minorities. Often there has to be. A centralized white figure that is like the savior that brings these these poor colored people into uh, whatever the next better part of their life is. Yeah. So you have Tom Cruise going to Japan and fighting with the the last of the samurai and, and being their white savior, um, or I don't know any basketball movie that Samuel Jackson is not in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or uh, higher learning, or, or not yeah. higher learning? Uh, what was it? Dangerous it was, Minds. Dangerous Minds. Yeah, Dangerous yeah. Minds. Uh, I think higher learning too, though, right? Was, was a there guy. a white savior? Oh, it was Michael Rappaport, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, but anyway, so it's definitely a syndrome. I think it's a financial syndrome to start off, which is like, well, we can't make this movie without a white star. Yeah, like Hidden Figures has Kevin Costner in it. Anyways, I haven't seen it, so I'll let you elaborate now. So I'm kind of conflicted because. I'm conflicted on logic and then emotion, right? <laughs> so emotionally, yeah, it's like, okay, the white guy syndrome, the white savior syndrome. But then I'm um, factually, it's like, look, there was there was not a black per, or uh, any person other than a white guy that, w- that could have possibly been their boss in NASA at that time. Mm. So it's like, even though the Kevin Costner character didn't exist, somebody like that was still there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, they would have had a white boss. And but it's that, the savior part. Well... Like, he, this, he made a decision that affected the outcome of the film, right? Or so he, his influence. Let's let's think about what likely happened in, in reality, <laughs> okay? Yeah. There would have been a boss that was white mm-hmm. that, let, that approved upon them uh, uh, progressing in their careers. So most likely there was a white savior. There was. Yeah. Yeah, there had to have been. <laughs> yeah. It's like saying that we all, like, magically black people brought themselves out of slavery. No, there was a president that was a white guy that signed a bill <laughs> that said that we're not slaves anymore. That is a good point. Yeah, that I is mean, true. they're facts. You that know? is true. So the whole white savior thing. Where it's due. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm fairly certain that there was a white guy at some point mm-hmm. or a white person at some point that helped them, mm-hmm. and I don't really have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. But yes, there is a, a problem with like you know the white savior thing because we don't we don't necessarily. It's a trope, need... you know. Yeah. It's, that's the problem. Is like it's every. Not every, but a lot of movies have to have that figure. So I guess that's what they're talking about. Right. But, you know, it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but mm. we've talked about it on this podcast before because one of the, when we first met, mm. um, you were talking about how uh, African-Americans should be helping leading the way with other, ethnic- other ethnicities mm. coming up, right? Like uh-huh. raise, rising up with us. Right. But that's kind of like a black savior. You know what I mean? Like, you, like mm. it shouldn't be that, even though I don't disagree with the statement, mm-hmm. we should, but there shouldn't be a need in this day and age for somebody else to help you get up to that level that's of our different <laughs> ethnicity because we happen to be more popular. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I guess I see it more as like, uh, you know, all colored people should be in the same boat together. Yes. Well, helping we, each other. We should all be Ish. in the same boat. 
Right. Everybody. But we're just We not. should all. Yeah. But unfortunately, we're the ones put in these separate containers. So, right. you know. Um, hey, man, I got no problem with the Black Savior for the next, you know. 10 years or 20 years or something <laughs> like that, you know? It, it's funny because it's like it's a percentage number. We, we're like, what, 11 to 13%, uh-huh. and then you guys are like, what, maybe five? Something like that. Yeah. So yeah. it's just it's weird. I, I just, I wish we got away from, like, that we're so different because we're not. We're just humans. You know mm, what I mean? Like, yeah. we should all be oh, the same Oh, I boat. fully agree, man. I think a lot of problems we have is because we don't see ourselves as one species, one group. It's only when the aliens invade that all the humans are That's when like, it's let's, let's uh, band together. Um, but then it'll just be us versus them again. And it's too late, because <laughs> yeah. let's, let's face it, man. If aliens come to our planet and they have technology advanced enough to reach us, we're already fucked. Yeah. Like, that's why sci-fi movies are hilarious, because, you know, like, whatever, Tom Cruise, like, fucking War of the Worlds or, you know, blah, 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 you know. I'm sorry, but if any species comes to this planet and has technology advanced enough to get here, we're already fucked. Like, there's nothing we're going to be able to do with our technology. So I've thought about that. Yeah. And that brings up, like, a whole litany of, like, problems. (laughs) So, first of all, like, most people assume that they're going to have the same type of morality that we do as humans. Because in human... Okay, let's pretend... Okay, if they're not benevolent aliens... Yeah. But if they're coming to invade... Yeah, if they're coming to invade, we're fucked. We're totally fucked. Yeah. Like, that movie is actually only 10 seconds long. They yeah. show up, and they vaporize us, yeah. and then we're done. Yep, that's it. <laughs> but if they're not... If but they're you're not, right. They could be so evolved that even our concept of morality is like child's play to them or something yeah. like that, you know? It'd be Which like, would be nice. Like us, us with chimps. Which would be nice. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's true. That would be nice. Except chimps are kind of similar to us. They are, but we'll wait. they don't make fucking cell phones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's but they like, like protect their young and mourn their losses. Well, yeah, but we like can that. easily wipe them out. Oh, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Good point. Like the whole uh, like alien thing, it's, it, it's funny to me because when I think about like the Fermi's Paradox, like why haven't we found other life forms mm. at this point? I'm thinking about just how lucky humans are with Earth. Yeah. And just in general, Do so even exist. Yeah, there's there's a few things. First of all, that that we're in the quote unquote Goldilocks zone for us. It, Goldilocks zone meaning meaning that we're far enough from the sun mm. that we're warm, but close are far enough that we're not going to burn. Not going to burn, but close enough that we're not going to freeze. Right. But that's that's just evolution, right? That's we just evolved to be like that. Mm. Second of all, um, we've gotten lucky with our world wars, and I think that a lot of civilizations may not have ever gotten past that point. Mm. Like, I think they may have gotten through, like, the whole... I think a religion thing is part. Is going to be normal for most lives because mm-hmm. they don't understand, like, what's going on. So you have to make up, in, in my opinion, make up, like, a higher being to explain things, right? Mm. Um, but then once you get past that, you're going to start evolving technology, mm-hmm. right? Once you start evolving technology and you have the better stick than the other person, if you have an outsource of their mentality, you're going to get to a point that we got to, which is with nuclear weapons. Right. Or some sort of mass destruction weapon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we are so fucking lucky. That we haven't destroyed ourselves yet. Yes, because um, the fact that America got it first and that we had a president that did was very reluctant to use them to begin with and didn't mm-hmm. use it more that could have destroyed this planet and everybody on Earth and sent us back to the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a high possibility that there's other intelligent life that reached the point that we did in World War II 
and then destroyed themselves. Mm. Like, on this planet, you mean? No, in other planets. Oh, okay. That have reached this point yeah. and they just destroyed themselves. Like, what happened? Yeah, with, with I mean, the, there's infinite possibilities for that yeah. kind of stuff. There really is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's all happened. It probably has. <laughs> I mean, and just the fact that we have planets out there that are taking impacts for us. Right. You know what I mean? So we've already been reset mm. in on Earth, we, right. even with humans, right? Because right? we had a big impact that right. fucking destroyed pretty much everything. Right. And if we didn't have, like, Saturn and our moon mm-hmm. and the sun, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, those are all protecting us from, right. like, impacts. Asteroids. Yeah. <laughs> Astro- that, that's it. Like, if we get right. hit with a big-ass asteroid... Some deep space nine shit. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think about shit like that all the time. I'm just like, we're we're fucking lucky. We do have to appreciate it. You know, it's funny because whatever your creed, you know, is, I do think that you got to find some appreciation for the fact that we're here. Yeah, it is a miracle, and I think that not enough people do it. Yeah, and it's very evident by their behavior. That's true. It's like you're the pinnacle of human existence, and uh, which you're also doing what? says. How lame we are that we have evolved on such a reptilian level. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it, it's still crazy how we have like such a variance in just like quality of life right. on this planet. I do consider the term intelligent beings to be a little bit misleading because we're like barely smarter than apes in a lot of ways. And uh, for me, I define intelligence as. Or I wouldn't define intelligence as systematically destroying ourselves or pathologically doing things that are bad for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's really the the momentum of, of ideas of people that are smarter than us. Mm. Like, um, Joe Rogan talks about this on his podcast all the time about how he has no idea how to make a cell phone. He doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't understand mm. how most shit works. Right. Me neither. Right. So I understand how like a lot of stuff works. Like, mm. like as far as like technology is like computers and shit go. Like sure. I, I understand how that shit works. Right. But at the same time, if you put me in a fucking in like the forest, I can't recreate a computer out, no. of, out of nothing. You know right. what I mean? So I have no That's idea. That's the miracle. Yeah. <laughs> but no, even yeah, even like a record player. I bought my sister a record player for Christmas. And I was like, dude, this is just wax. Yeah. And like somebody figured out that you put a needle on and you press the wax in a certain way, and music comes out of it. Yeah. I mean, it still blows my mind. I'm oh, just yeah. like, what the fuck? You know? Like, so, that's pretty cool, though. It is pretty cool. Yeah. But I think it's cool that we can enjoy the inventions of other people mm. with no repercussions. Like, right. before, people were, like, so uh, protective of their things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have got that. I and mean, we're at a point now to where, you know, the freedom of uh, information and stuff like that is, it's so cool that... Almost, not almost nothing, but there's a lot of things are public instead of secret. Mm. You know, like even like the, the microphones that we're talking on, shit like that, you know, nobody's it, keeping that shit secret. It's still growing too. Yeah. yeah. And in 50 years from now, like, this is all going to be different. Well, 50 years from now, some would argue the singularity will happen. That's what I'm hoping for. That would be awesome. I do believe that that is going to be a chance for survival. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the singularity, nobody knows it's going to be yet. I thought it was going to be the internet. But it's, but it wasn't. No, I'm I'm thinking true singularity where you are integrated with technology yeah. with your consciousness. It's coming. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. We have no choice. We're like, it's kind of weird how like humans are so on a path to integrating with technology, and it's it's you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. But there's there's no stopping it. There's no. That's exactly what I tell people is like, you can hem and haw and you can be upset. 
But in the end, humanity exists because of relentless progress, and it's going to happen. So for me, it's like I don't have any moral problems with technology. I think it's just if you know it's going to happen, do your best to affect it positively. Yeah. And that's it. It's going to fucking happen. Well, I I think that the reason why most people are reluctant to even accept technology, like future technology, because they don't understand what technology is and how it's helped us. Look, when the first human killed another animal and wore their skin, Mm -hmm. that was technology. That was technology. Had it not been for that person or, 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 you know, figuring out fire, we wouldn't be here. It's true. When a chimpanzee sticks a straw or a a stalk of grass down the ant hole. Yeah. That's the tool. That's technology. Yep. I, I think it's because people are very uncertain about their place in existence once technology grows. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm th- glad you said that. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. My friend shared a really interesting story with me, a sci-fi story. Uh, I forgot. It was like metamorphosis of intellect or something like that. But basically, it's like in a future where uh, technology has figured out how to like solve all the world's problems and so nobody has any jobs and, ex- and so all they're left to do is like to pursue pleasure yes so like all they do is like receive pleasure all day right <laughs> so i'm glad you brought that up because yeah. it's actually a topic that i that i thought of mm-hmm. and it's funny because i thought about it and i smoked some cannabis nice and then i almost forgot uh-huh, and i was like uh-huh. this is a fucking great idea i should write it down and i was like I'm, I'm too fucking high to write it down <laughs> And the next day it came back to me. I was like, thank goodness it came back. Yeah. So my thoughts about labor and technology. Uh, yeah. Um, I think we're in a very interesting spot right now because um, right now I think people are sort of slaves to sure. society sure. and they don't realize it. And I'll give you an example. Okay. When there were slaves in America, everybody thought, everybody knew that they were slaves, right? And they understood that it wasn't good for the most part. And then once, like, the cotton gin was invented, there was no need for people to pick cotton anymore. Right. And not a single fucking cotton worker complained about that. Nobody did. There was like, we don't, we don't get to pick cotton no more? That's fucking great. But now we're in a weird situation where we have technology that will replace jobs, and people are complaining that the technology is going to replace their jobs. They're not thinking about... What what can I do other than this shitty job that a computer could do? Right. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, yeah. I, it's funny, though. I think there will be casualties during the transition. For sure. But but they're rigid mind thinkers. Correct. You know what I mean? But they're, they're going to be the first to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I think as we transition into society where eventually we will not need to work, uh, the people in between, there's going to be a, a good many that will be squashed. Uh, but in a macro vision uh, overall for humanity, it'll be very good. And uh, you're going to basically do whatever the fuck you want. It's basically going to be like potentially a version of heaven. You don't have to work. You just do what you want. It could be like a Star Trek, even though they didn't go into it very far. That's true. But there was You're no money have in to Star expand Trek. and go go yeah. out into the stars. I mean, I do I do agree that that's an important part of human destiny. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's going to be for humans. We're I don't under I don't think that we're designed to think that way because the way that our societies are designed is to have workers. Right. We, we still have peasants and serfs, which is funny because we don't consider ourselves peasants and serfs. 
But like, we are. Yeah, but we are. Yeah, because we're, we're the society in America. It's built upon a Russian labor society. Mm. Like our our schools aren't really built for free thinking. They're mm-hmm. built to give you a skill, and you use that skill to make somebody else rich. True. And nobody really thinks about that. Yeah, they they don't. And that's like ninety eight percent of the country. Yeah. <laughs> or ninety nine percent. And that's why I say, you know, when it, once you see the cage, which I've seen. Um, you can't unsee the cage. It's true. And you've got to figure out how to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. That's funny. That's a weird thought that I had while I was kind of high. So, yeah. um, I'm with it. The Cal Exit. Are you familiar with this? Uh, I mean, that's been going around for a while. I think it's pretty impossible unless there's like a civil war or like a massive breakdown of the country right um this is so funny because texas said the same thing ah. when president obama got elected ah. and then again when he was like affordable health care act yeah <laughs> and then it's funny it's funny to see those same conservatives talk shit about liberals right trying to do this it's like you guys just did this like five years ago right you know what i mean so it's like i mean you understand where they're coming from right because they they're yeah. agreeing with their current <laughs> leadership so but apparently canada said that hey, we'll take you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I I wouldn't mind living in Canada. I was one of those people that was like, if Trump gets elected, I'll move. <laughs> but then you realize that America's still awesome. Well, I realize like if I really love America, it's actually more important for me to stay. Yeah, because leaving is like a coward's move. You know. Well, unless you're persecuted. Unless you, I mean, if you're running, that's which a different story. But you're not yet. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. I mean, luckily, I was born a U.S. citizen, so uh, I think. Well, I wouldn't put anything past this administration <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but uh, you know, <clears throat> I think uh, when he was elected, I was stunned, and then I was like, "Okay, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to move?" And I was like, looking at Canada, I was looking at Korea and stuff, and I was like, you know what? If I actually love this country, which I do, running is, like, literally the worst thing I can do. Because that's like saying somebody invades your house, and then you're like, I want to leave my house <laughs> Let them have because house. I don't yeah. like them. <laughs> and they get to do whatever the fuck I want they want. Yeah, I'm not down with that. So I think um, for me, though, I, ah, man, you know what? I'm, I talk like a liberal, but I think I'm, like you said, part of the middle because I do have conservative views and um, – I'm starting to feel a little bit more like some extreme actions are necessary because I I do see the way liberals protest and stuff and it makes me want to vomit because I'm like, you're so self-satisfied with yourself that you go out and on a protest and then you come home and you have like the photos of you like yeah. protesting and then you don't do anything, you know? And it's like, those are like the worst people, you know? So... I think something you you need to get involved if you actually want change to happen. Something's going to happen. Like the so the the, the pendulum that I was talking about before, mm-hmm. it can only go so far to the left or to the right, and mm-hmm. eventually the pendulum is going to break because mm-hmm. a pendulum by design cannot flip back around, mm-hmm. right? It can only go so far, mm-hmm. and I think we're we're nearing the limit. And if there's uh, another president that's on the left, if President Trump stays president through his whole term, whoever the next guy is is probably going to break the pendulum. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do think um, 
It's funny because the the founder of the Pirate Bay before Trump was elected was like, I really hope Trump is elected because the system needs to completely break. It does before yeah. it fixes itself. Um, and I agree, like it could happen. Um, I don't have enough guns for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, I'm gonna have to get some. It's so funny, like. I was thinking about how I would fix the system. Yeah. Right? And I was like, you would need to have, like, a really long plan. And the plan would have to include... You'd have to be, like, pull a Putin where you're, like, in power for, like, 20 years or something. Well, I I, I wouldn't even need 20 years. I'd only need, like, maybe... I'd only need, like, one term, but I had to be as total dictator. But to to do that, like, I would need... Like, you you couldn't come up by yourself. You would have to basically... You'd have to have friends that were loyal to you Correct. that came up with you right. but went different paths because like you, you would need them as your secret service. Because mm. we we've seen what happened to JFK, right? Because mm. he was talking about some pretty radical shit and it fucking killed him. Like, whoever the fuck did it, they killed him, right? So you would need to have people in place that are going to protect you that were loyal to you. It's true. Somebody made the point that the only two presidents that ever spoke out uh, against the system were Lincoln... And JFK, and they both got assassinated. Well, there was somebody else, too, that warned on his way out. Who the fuck was it? He, but he was the first person to talk about the military-industrial complex. Oh, really? Yeah. He actually mm-hmm. he, he coined the phrase, and I can't remember who, which fucking president he was, but he talked about it, and he basically prophesied all this shit happening mm-hmm. now. Because he was on the inside. Yeah. Well, because he saw that it was like during, or maybe shortly after one of the wars, and he saw what was happening. He's like, they figured out how to make money off of wars. And that's how they came with the military industrial. Yeah, I mean, my theory is that the reason why Obama extended a lot of stuff was he was like, I don't want to die. Yeah. (laughs) He was like, well, I've seen behind the curtain a little bit. I want to live. So I'm going to play ball. Yep. I'll push on the things I can push that they don't give a fuck about, like gay rights and universal health care. But when it comes to, like, the war machine and, like, you know, the ability to assassinate fucking uh, your own citizens. I'm going to sign that. <laughs> and people totally ignored that. Like, yeah. People to this day, they think that, oh, there's no boots in the ground. First of all, there are boots in the ground. Still there. Yeah. Second of all, he Yeah, he dropped... took them out and then brought them back in. Yeah, right? but yeah. He... <laughs> and when they were gone, he still dropped thousands dropping of bombs. dropping tons of bombs, yeah. Yeah, if people don't believe me, like, I've literally firsthand watched drums being, uh, bombs being dropped mm. from UAVs mm. on buildings. And I'm like... Did they have all the intel there? Probably not. <laughs> right. And so when they say, like, I, I looked it up. I, I Googled. I was like, how many, how many civilians have been killed yeah. by drone bombs? Mm-hmm. And the number was so laughably low. It was, like, below 1,000. I was like, no. That's impossible. That's impossible. Based on yeah. what you witnessed. Yeah. I'm like, dude, they're totally fucking bullshitting <laughs> Of course. You. It's all bullshit. Uh, although I will say, going back to the Trump presidency, when they look back on history, <laughs> the term alternative facts <laughs> yeah, that's going to stick. <laughs> yeah, it's going to stick and it's going to be defined for the era as like a very damaging concept to introduce to society. Yeah, there's no such thing as a to- alternative facts. Just it means like- you're lying. Yeah, yeah. It means you're lying. And like the fact that humans are so stupid that you just have to change the wrapping and they're okay with it. Because even like, you know, myself and people, my friends have joked, like you make a joke and you're like, oh, that's just an alternative fact. It's like, whoops. <laughs> You know, like yeah. that's in society now. Like th- that's going to be used to the utmost for future uh, presidencies and political campaigns. And 
it's definitely a very damaging concept to sanction in society. Oh, for sure. And I, <laughs> I, I blame both sides for that guy being right. president. I, I blame the conservatives for obviously voting for him. Mm. And I blame uh, a lot of the liberals because they, they have pushed people that were maybe in the middle towards the right with ridiculous fucking concepts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like saying that, and I don't want to get too much into it, but like should like other can enforcing people or attempting to force people to address people by made up terms is fucking ridiculous. And I think that that huge pushback is one of the things that got him elected. Like, look, if, if you're going to force me, if I greet somebody like, hey, what's going on, man? And you get fucking angry with me because I said man because you look like a man to me mm. and you want to pull a fa- Like, it's a fucking greeting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you might, if, if you want to correct me, that's fine. But don't sit there and be like, oh, why did you assume my identity? Or why did you assume my, my gender? And I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that has a, a lot of role to play with the way he got elected. Because people are just going to get pulled further and further to right by first not understanding what the fuck you're talking about because he didn't explain. Mm-hmm. And then second, taking offense to what is normally a greeting. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think that those things, need, I think people need to to be more accepting of folks. And I think it's funny how people want to feign that I want you to accept me as my new whatever term and you can't accept them by not understanding what you're talking about because it's something that at this point is still in a gray area because I, I haven't seen a single credible like doctor or psychologist accept those terms. You know what I mean? Or put them in a book and be like, hey, these are the new terms that these are and these are actually new genders. And that's what I need to see with this kind of shit. You know what I mean? Cause mm. as far as I'm concerned, like there's really only two. And I, if it offends you, I'm not even going to apologize <laughs> because I don't, you don't have facts to back up those claims. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, but don't get me wrong. It, if I meet you and we're talking and we're cool, like I don't need to know your sexual history. All I need to know is if you're cool or not. Like I don't need to know, like that's the thing that I have a problem with when they talk about like other kin and all this shit is that, like, if I walked up to you and be like, hey, man, what's going on, buddy, man? I like fucking chicks only in the ass. Wouldn't that be fucking weird? Like, if we just Yeah, met. that would be yeah. a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what they're doing. They're saying that I'm only attracted to or want to have sex with or only identify. And it's like, I don't need to know all that shit. Mm. All I'm concerned about is are you a cool person? You know what True. I mean? True. I agree. I think people should judge each other on a very more root level. Are you a good human or not? Yeah, that's it. But they're so caught up in labels. It's yeah. like the in this PC culture, if you don't have the right label, you get persecuted. Um and I do think that is a liberal disease. And we don't need more labels. We need less labels. Less labels and just make it more universal. Yeah. Everybody just needs to drop acid together. I agree, which I still haven't done or mushrooms. Just, oh, you know. dude, I'm ready for one of those. Really? If you want. Let's do it. Which one? Mushrooms. Okay, let's do yeah. it. Right. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get anybody else in on it too, we could just do like a little um trip, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh I think a good thing you could do is you get an Airbnb like a whole house. Yeah. And then you could just chill there. Fuck you yeah. Know? And then you could have a projector set up and you just put up stuff. We should go up the coast. We went to a place yeah, in like dude. Irish Beach. Yeah. yeah. Like, like on the water. Yeah. Ideally yeah. somewhere where there's like nature really close. Yeah, yeah. Like if you want to seriously plan that, I will plan that with you. Yeah. Yeah. We let's can, do, we it. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can get the mushrooms anytime. Okay. You'll love it, dude. Yeah. Let's, let's, we'll do it. I'll All right. It. Let's yeah. do it. 
Uh, all right, what else do we need to talk about? Do uh, we have any questions? We have, yes. Actually, this okay. is a pretty good one. This is from a friend of mine who I was actually in the Marine Corps with. Oh, okay. Um, he was a, a sergeant a sergeant when I was like a Lance Corporal. Um, let me, I'll, I will say verbatim what he, what he wrote. <laughs> I love doing this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's do it. Um, he said, man, what are we going to do about these badass kids? Ten-year-olds cussing out adults. Adults afraid to say or do anything out of fear or of repercussions and parents not parenting. Then we wonder why our youth are burdened to society. I'm sorry. Our youth are a burden to society instead of a future. Not at all. But a whole hell of a lot. (laughs) So basically what he's saying is what are we going to do about badass kids? Yeah. Or the lack of respects. Yes. Respect. What are your opinions on this? I've definitely noticed it. Uh, I saw a YouTube video where, like, these, like, high school girls surrounded this, like, 80-year-old man and were making fun of him. And then they punched him in the face. No, so, (laughs) this is the problem. If I want to see something like that, like, I might have went to jail. Yeah, exactly. That was my instinct. It's like, I would grab every single one of them. And whoop the shit out of them. Yeah, yeah, they, they would get fucked up. And it was so sad because he chased after them and like fell. I mean, he had a fucking cane, dude. And he chased after them and he fell and like his pants fell down. And he pants himself. God fucking damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like eighty years old. He can't do it. And it was like so sad that like he was so angry and yet he was so helpless to do anything. And they're just like laughing at him the whole time. Yeah. And I just want to take all those kids. Beat the shit out of them. Go to their parents' house. Beat the shit out of all the parents. Yeah. And cry for the entire generation. But no, I've definitely seen it. I think... Um, okay, this is just my opinion. But it goes back to when I was a child. And uh, one thing I noticed about American culture is that there seems to be a lot more leniency in talking shit to parents. And a lot less like... Uh, in certain cultures, yes. You're totally in, correct. In certain yeah. cultures. Like, I remember when I was at my friend's house, and uh, he, you know, his mom said something to him, and he starts cursing at her, and Shut says, up. and says like, you know, fuck you, mom, blah, blah, blah. Was it a white person? It was a white person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> I was trying to be... Okay, look, let, let's, let's face it. It's definitely not a brown thing. Because <laughs> you get your ass whooped for that shit. But... He cursed at her, and I'm not even exaggerating. I literally froze and thought lightning was going to come down and hit me. Yeah. Like, I was waiting for the apocalypse to happen, and she just, like, brushed it off and, like, kept cooking or whatever the fuck. And I was like, and then it dawned on me. I was like, wait a second. White people, white kids can curse at their parents. Yeah, that is... That is and bad. I like generally, I like everybody, all right? Yeah. But that is definitely a problem that I've seen. Amongst white families? Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Like, you can't have a We're child. not even being racist. This is, like, legit. Yeah, but the, it's it's spreading, though. It, like, I've well, seen it in other That's why I'm saying. That's why I call it American culture. Yeah, yeah. Is as these minorities, quote, get more and more Americanized. Yeah. The certain qualities, good and bad, start to get spread. But that should not be an American trait, goddammit. Oh, it's but it is, though. Yeah. Uh, it is, though. And that is the scary part, or disgusting part, is what I think is the root of this disrespect among generations. Because I've traveled to a lot of different countries, and I guarantee you, 
Oh, yeah. Those kids aren't fucking talking to those no. adults like that. Fuck no. They will get smacked the fuck down. Yeah. You, you and, get fucking caned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, best. <laughs> and I think, you know, honestly, the way I see it is that kids are like dogs, whether you like it or not, which is in the aspect of you have to set your boundaries, you set your expectations, and you do not compromise them. No matter if they fucking whine or beg or whatever it is, because they will know exactly how much leeway they have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get into some parenting shit. Okay. Because you are a parent. Yeah. Like, I've seen so much shit that people think are good that it's totally fucking retarded. Right. Like, if you're a parent and you have a kid that's acting up and you start counting down, stop it. Stop You've already it. lost. Yeah, take instant <laughs> fucking action. action. Right. Yeah. If I don't not saying beat your beat no, your you fucking don't have kid. to physically beat them, yeah. but you have to dominate them mentally. Yeah. There, there's no fucking room for your kids to tell you what to do. None. Because <laughs> when you're counting down, you know what they're doing. You're giving them time to keep doing whatever the fuck they're right. doing. That's bullshit. Yeah. Because yeah. what, what they're gonna do if you, if you start from five, they're gonna stop at four. And not only that, you put yourself in a shitty situation where if they decide to test you... Yeah, there's no testing. Yeah, then you have to either overreact, or worse, if you don't do anything, then you just taught them that actually your word means nothing. Exactly. (laughs) And and I've gone through this with my my daughter, my my oldest daughter, she's 14, um, which is difficult because, you know, my my ex, who's, you know, her mom, we have totally different parenting styles now. Uh, And she lets you get away with a lot of shit, and I don't, and I kind of feel bad for her. I'm just like, look, when you come here... You can't act like the way you do when you're over with your mom because right. they, they don't fly here. You know what I mean? Like, I, know, I, I can't have you acting bad. That's trouble when the parents are not aligned in that. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of, of parents, they don't understand what, a, what it's like for a baby. Mm. Right? Like, when I see Riley now, all I see now is just human potential. And mm. that potential is basically kept by me as right. one of her parents. One of Correct. her parents. Yeah, and I think most people don't under—they don't even think about that. It's like they're just potential that's there, and that potential is strictly based upon how you parent them. And if they're fucked up, then it's directly your fault because you're the person who is the most influential in their life at that point. I agree a hundred ten percent. That is why my pet peeve is like dog owners with a shitty dog. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's just nervous. That's why it bit you. Like, no, you're a shitty owner. That's why it bit me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, every kid is a blank canvas. Yep. And their actions are a direct reflection of not just the environment, but the values that you gave them. Yeah. And when you're a weak fucking parent, you give them shitty values, and that's why they end up punching 80-year-olds. Yeah, I think that... Uh... <laughs> Not enough people think about it this way. This has been my, my philosophy for the longest time: mm-hmm. is that my children are I'm, are my immortality. I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna die some I'm gonna die someday. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give my base materials up back to Earth mm-hmm. and, and then the universe. Mm-hmm. And my ongoing uh, legacy is gonna be through my children, and that's the direct result of how I decide to parent that child. Mm-hmm. And so your mark on Earth. Is gonna be that child, and mm. if they're fucked up, that's, that's how your, they're gonna remember you or not you remember are. you. Yeah. yeah, that's you. That's you. Yeah, I agree. It's funny. I guess to answer your listener question more directly, I think fucking dog fart. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that that, that dog dog lady. Yeah. <laughs> nice fart. Um, 
But I think to to answer your your listener's question, um, I think like with many problems, people have to look within themselves first. Yeah. Uh, I think parents have to think about, like you said, their legacy, what they're doing to create these kids. Um, like, dude, the other day I was at the gym, or <laughs> I was at a pizza place. <laughs> That is the opposite of a gym, money okay. man. What the fuck? Okay, <laughs> side side anecdote. So my girlfriend works out a lot. I don't work out that much. I'm I've been working out more, but I stopped when I was working on the commercial. Anyways, you gotta I, do jujitsu with me, man. Come on. I know, dude. I should actually. I'm down. That's actually what I realized is like going to the gym isn't enough for me. I need no. competition. Yes, because I am a very competitive person, and it's once somebody chokes me out. I'm like, I know I can't choke you out yet, but I will put in the fucking work yes. <laughs> to get to the point where I could choke you out. Anyways, so I go to the gym. My back was all fucked up because uh, the day before I played basketball and, like, you know, of course I played hard, so I fucked up my back. <laughs> so I go to the gym with her. I stretch for, like, five minutes, and then I walk over to Cybele's Pizza. Good <laughs> <That's> fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was hella funny, dude. <laughs> she When I got back, she was like... uh <laughs> she knew exactly what the fuck because when I was driving into the parking lot I was like oh look Cybelle's Pizza <laughs> and she was like what I was like you've never been there it's like really good anyways so I walked back in the gym she called me while I was eating pizza <laughs> holy shit <laughs> I, I didn't pick up right <laughs> I call I called her back when I walked in the gym. She's like, "Where are you?" And I was like, "I'm I'm walking." <laughs> and I walk in, and the first thing she does is she sniffs my breath. Oh, dude! <laughs> Which is funny though, because I stopped off at the water fountain. I was drinking hella water. <laughs> I was like rinsing my mouth out, and she sniffs my breath, and then she goes, "Did you eat pizza?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Anyways. But the point is, while I was in the pizza place, there was this family next to me, and this dad, I guess, had his kids, and he was whining at his kids about how to eat pizza properly. Like, don't eat it like that. What are you doing? And I was like, holy shit, you're their dad, and you're literally whining. Like, you're fucked. He's a weak bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think to answer your listener's question, is like, parents need to fucking nut up. Yeah. Seriously. And find that inner discipline for themselves to be able to extend that to their kids. Because if you don't even have control of your own life and your own habits and self, that's why you can't transfer that to your kids. Because either A, you're you're falsely preaching to them. Because I'm sorry, but no kid will do as you say. They do as you do. Yeah. <laughs> Actions speak louder than words. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a very basic universal principle of human psychology. It will never not be that way. And so I think, you know, if kids are 10 year olds are cussing out adults, it's because the adults let them. Like, if my kid fucking. It's like that Russell Peters stand up. It's like, if my kid gave me a lip and I'm like, I will fucking kill you. And they're like, I'll call child services. I'm like, oh, good. Before they get here, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> They'll find a body. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But like once again, like if it gets to that point ever, like you've already lost. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's also true. That's yeah. a good point. Like you have to. I don't want to say it starts still, at birth, man. Yeah, it does. You have to. You have to have that. You're not their friend. You're an authoritative figure. You're their parent. Yeah. And I think that's totally lost. Like too many parents want to be fucking friends with their kids. Fuck that. We can be friends when you're fucking 21. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? We and have you a beer will be shit. better friends yeah. if you have better discipline. Yeah. I do think, like, for instance, with your daughter, it's like, 
when they get older, they will look back and appreciate the more stern parent later because they're the one that was trying to instill more discipline. And when you get older, you appreciate that shit. That's what I'm hoping on. But yeah. right now I gotta, <laughs> For now, you got to write it out. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all good, though. So uh, anything else we're going to talk about? Uh, it's been really good seeing you, man. It has been really good. Yeah. You got to go? No, no, I don't, I'm not in a rush at all. Oh, I, well, we talked about Trump. What are we up to? I think. Do the, we have any black or Asian questions? We didn't think of these. Well, we had a question, but it wasn't black or Asian. I mean, like, why do or. Yeah, badass like, kids. Cause that, that's everywhere. That's Even everywhere. though, you know what's funny? Is that it's really hard to find an Asian kid acting bad. Like, especially with their parents. See, I think the parents, that's one thing culturally that they're. They've, yeah. They've, because, you know what? You, you have to look at uh, most Asian cultures as being very confucianist in origin which means that it's 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 structured around the family where the male is the head of the family and you're supposed to listen to whatever they say and you know i mean the the con to that is that it's it's too much that way where like the dad could be a total fucktard and you're still supposed to do whatever they say you know or you know on the flip side like you don't get to pursue your dreams because you're supposed to like do the family yeah. fucking expectations. Um, but I guess on the pro side, yeah, the kids definitely are more um, stepping to the, the beat that you're giving them. And, uh, yeah. you know, but I think that's where, yeah, Asian parents would have to be a little bit more flexible and allow their kids to define their own future a little bit. Right. You know. So I guess, so normally we talk about, Asian and black thing. So I guess I'll take mm-hmm. it from the from the black side, African American side. Mm. Is that I'm seeing? Uh, so when I was growing up, uh, African American parents were, were very strong. Um, oh, we, I think we talked about this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there there was like a huge thing about respecting your parents. Yeah. Uh, African American parents basically, you know, beating their kids, fucking them up, which I think is a little little too far. Right. Um, but nowadays you have them that, where they're so weak, mm. where they have like this new like uh, quote unquote princess or, or queen slash king mentality, where my kid uh, is yes. a princess or a prince. Yeah. Where it's like, no, your baby is a fucking baby. Mm, yeah. Like they 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 don't have some, and they'll treat them like that. And it's mm-hmm. like you're you're messing them up mentally, and you're setting them them up for failure um, in life, really, because. They're not over anybody, and I and I don't like in the African American community right now where people want to say that we're, we all came from kings. Well, that's quite impossible that we all came from kings, <laughs> all right? Because it's, it's like overcompensating. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Like, we, we came from a. It's quite impossible. Yeah, <laughs> we, we came from. If you want to go all the way back to Africa, we came from right. a, a tribal existence, right? Which right. Would, there were neither kings nor queens at that point in time. Later on, in certain regions, there were kings and queens, like Egypt and shit. But yeah. that wasn't necessarily good because when you had kings and queens, they were also fucking slaves. <laughs> so let's probably not go back to that, right? Right. Um, and I think that people need to recognize their place in life in reality mm. instead of pretending that there's some higher Yeah, and up- your potential could still be amazing. Yeah, it really could. Yeah. But you can't be like, hey, you can't tell your child that you're a king or a queen or a prince or a princess when they're obviously not. Because it you just know, creates false entitlement. Yeah. And I think that's that's a huge narrative right now in America where people mm. have false entitlements, where they feel like yeah. they're earned things when they, they haven't. I agree. There's definitely like that everybody's a snowflake kind of like Especially parenting, which is not true. Um, a lot of people aren't snowflakes. I mean, ideally, we would all be snowflakes, but there's a 
plenty of people that if they died, they would just be a statistic. Yeah. And, like, literally the world wouldn't make... There'd be no difference. Well, if you want to get, I guess, more fucked up, yeah. none of us fucking matter. Like, the Earth <laughs> will keep going. None of us matter. That <laughs> yeah. is true. Like, the funny thing is that people will say, oh, we're fucking up the Earth. No, the Earth will be fine. Like, yeah. we're just fucking ourselves up. But uh, <laughs> there, there is a small group of people that matter for humanity, though. For instance? Uh, people who've actually changed the world. Like, okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. Anybody. Like, like the guy that figured out that lead was fucking bad for gasoline? Right. Yeah. Or like, yeah, exactly. Like, small little things. <laughs> yeah. To even, like, things like Steve Jobs, you know, like, did change the world with his tech- his marketing, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's good marketing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think uh, we're not all snowflakes, and, and but we do all have great potential. Most of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, <coughs> technically, we all do, but we, most people don't realize it. They don't feel like they're... Exactly. Well, we're just talking about empowerment, but your empowerment is based upon your actions, mm. right? It's not based upon what somebody else did before you or somebody else told you. It's what you do, mm. right? So if you want to feel empowered, then you need to use what you have as That's empowerment. That's true. You got to be realistic. I remember my dad tried to pull that on me once. He was like, you know... Kim's come from the king. Kim. <laughs> and I was like, uh, actually, there's like 75% of Koreans are Kim, so <laughs> I don't fucking feel like a king. Uh, you know, good try, though. Thanks for trying to build my confidence. Um, I do have one thing that I want to talk about from the black and Asian perspective is that Asian parents are known for being brutal, brutally honest on their kids. Yeah. Like, for instance, uh, two instances. My dad, uh, one day I was having lunch with my dad and my sister, and he's just, like, staring at me. And I'm like, what? And he's just looking at me, and he goes, you know, you were a lot cuter as a kid. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <dude. laughs> and, and he's very matter-of-fact, you know? Like, he's not trying to be mean. He's just, like, expressing his opinion. Yeah. And my sister was like, oh, damn. And then, like... um. My mom kind of, you know, she looked at me like uh, the other day and was like, you got fat. You know, Asian parents are very uh, famous for just like saying whatever the fuck they're actually thinking about their kid. Uh, but it's, the thing is, though, is that it's honest, right? For their, <laughs> It is honest. It's their honest opinion. I mean, it could go in the bad side. But, but I was wondering, like, yeah. what is the... I mean, it could go on the bad side if they're, like, overly, like, for instance, start comparing their kid to other kids. Yeah, or like, yeah. You know, berating them too much. But yeah. but it's, like, I thought it was funny in both of those instances, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was wondering, like, what is the black side? Like, are parents like that? Or is there any patterns, like, around that? Yeah, so I, I've had I've had sort of a, I don't want to say unique experience, but, I, uh-huh. like, I don't have a great relationship with my uh, my parents right now. I mean, mm. my my biological father he uh, passed away at like age of fifty five. Okay, great guy, lo- loved him. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a freak accident happened. He had a heart attack after he was playing racquetball. So, Ooh. you know, right. it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and then my mom right now is is um, basically gone. She uh, I don't know how to put it, but she had a medical issue. That was brought upon by them ignoring <sighs> symptoms. Yeah, I got it. So she was diabetic. It's too late. And had other issues. And then she stopped eating. And then the, the doctors uh, put her on medication that she didn't take. And it put her in a coma for a couple of months. And she hasn't recovered. Nor will she likely ever co- recover. Really? Um, and it comes with like a lot of 
difficult issues for me because there are things that happened in my my childhood that I'm not going to be able to address with my with my sure. mom. Got it. Um, and that, I was hoping to be able to address those issues It'll at some point. Be yeah, unclosed. And that's it, it's it's that's been a, a huge one. yeah, it's been a huge problem yeah. um, that I try not to think too much about, but I'm gonna have to go out and see them because they, they moved to Vallejo, uh-huh. um, and I'm gonna have to go out and see them pretty soon because yeah. I haven't seen them since they moved. And they haven't seen you know the new daughter, but that brings up another issue because um, when I was younger, um, we had to go to a foster home because my our, you know our parents were abusive, uh-huh. and one day. Uh, our teachers found out from my brother because he had marks on him. Mm-hmm. And so both me and my brother had to go to a, a foster home. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to, to, to today, mm-hmm. um, one of the reasons why I didn't want, why I couldn't, why it was difficult to see my parents is because when I was going through the adoption thing, I had to basically be an open book with them, right? Sure. And so I had to tell them about the, the foster home stuff. And they were like, ah. okay, because of that, you can never have your child with your parents uh, un, uh, unsupervised. unsupervised. Got it. So I'm like, that's fucked up. But at the same time, it's like, I can understand. It's like, that's you know, if you have protection measures. Exactly. So yeah. I'm in like a weird situation now where shit's fucked up. But, but my situation isn't like, that's not the vast majority. At least I'm hoping of other people that share my same ethnicity. Right. So mm. I'm hoping that other people had families that were, that helped. I mean, don't get me wrong. My my childhood wasn't all fucked up, but yeah, there was yeah, a part that was definitely fucked up. Well, let's say out of the black nuclear families that have stayed together, right? Have you observed with your friends or in the community like the way that the parents talk to their kids in terms of like reality checks or like the way that they? Yeah, it's difficult. You know, I, I wish I had uh, Cthulhu's prodigy on here because he's my cousin. Yeah. And oh, really? You guys are related? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're cousins. Oh shit! Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so actually, yeah. you know, his his mom and my mom are our cousins, our second cousins. Yeah. So yeah, I wish I had him on here because his experience in life was different from mine, mm-hmm. even though we were related. Of course, different parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also had um an advantage of they, they were more they were successful earlier on in life than my parents were. Mm-hmm. And so they got to enjoy more comfort earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His mom was a teacher and his dad worked for uh for Bart and got he was it. like a higher up guy. Yeah. And so it was a little different, but we still had similar issues. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like there was still a lot of secretive shit that happened. That came with him. from the generation above. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't know that he had. I knew about one of his brothers, but apparently he had three other brothers <laughs> that I didn't know about until like. So we, you had three other half cousins. Yeah, I didn't know about it until like like seven years ago. Yeah, right. Because yeah. we like me and and him were we were on good terms for a long uh-huh. time. Until I came back to, uh, from overseas, then we became like great friends and then family again, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's when I figured out that he had this whole other side of the family that was kept secret from him yeah. and me, yeah. you know, for a long time. So it it was it's fucking weird. Um, I don't know how to accurately answer the, the question that you. Okay, that no worries. There, there's fucked up shit in, in in our community that I think that that people look the other way, especially with badass kids. Mm-hmm. I guess that, that that that'll go back to mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is that I think that. Our communities now will turn a blind eye to uh, to violence or wrongdoing, mm-hmm. and when we should be standing up against that at all levels. Like if you see something happening that's bad, mm. you should, I think, intervene. If uh, I guess if you're brave, because right now people are getting away with basically acting <sighs> like animals, yeah. you know, and yeah. people just don't want to deal with it. Right. But it's not it's not helping our community or the person that's doing it or the person that's the victim. And I think that that really needs to change. Like if you look at um, like at Chicago, 
there was like over was it three thousand shootings last year, and nobody's doing oh, dude, anything. This year is even worse. Yeah, and nobody's doing. It's like almost three hundred uh, gun violence incidences in just January. And that's and Chicago, even though it's highlighted, it's not even the worst city in America. I saw that too. Yeah, it's like number eight or seven or something. Yeah, like that. and people are just ignoring all that stuff, and they're just, they're doing what. People do to perpetuate a problem is that you pretend that it doesn't exist mm-hmm. and you don't do anything to fix it. That actually segues into the the next thing I want to ask about, which is that. So I directed a short film that my uh, one of my business partners wrote and produced and directed, um, and uh, it's called Stop, mm-hmm. and it's basically addressing black on black violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the funny thing is, like, so when he asked me to direct it, I was like, okay, I'm going to get, like, all black crew members because I want people that are, like, you know, closer to the issue. Right. So I found a DP who's black that I worked with before. And oh, that's a DP. Uh, I'm sorry. A DP is not double penetration. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> DVD it. I'm yeah, just yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a director of photography. It's the cinematographer. It's basically the guy that handles the camera and lighting. Okay, cool. And um, very important role. It's like probably like the third or fourth most important person on set. Hold on, real quick. I didn't understand the importance in lighting until we started doing like a video portion of the podcast. Right. That's why we have the fucking umbrellas. Right. And shit, I, was, I noticed that. It's good. You yeah. guys are ahead of the curve. Because she gets grainy. I'm like, what yeah. the fuck happened here? Grainy and it looks <laughs> yeah. weird. Um, so, but this guy's black and he's about, he's about my age. My partner's like 40, almost 50. So he's a little bit older, but, um, so he gets the script and then he sends an email back and says, I cannot do this because I don't want to perpetrate the image of, black stereotypes Hmm. and my partner was really offended because he's black and he was like and by the way i recognize black people every person has their own way of approaching a problem but he was like yeah you could not want to perpetrate a quote stereotype but also statistically black people are killing each other at you know yeah you know in whatever certain communities like out of you can't avoid that, you know, yeah, like, yeah. and so he's like, his, his idea is to, you know, address the topic head on. Right. Versus this other guy, like kind of wanted to, which I think is a generational thing was that he didn't want to address it. Cause he was afraid of it per- perpetrating or making the stereotype, you know, um, more just continuing that stereotype. Uh, well, and, you know, so my partner thought saw it as more sticking your head in the sand and like ignoring the yeah, problem. Yeah, so I understand both sides. Right. So one side is is that I understand that I'm t- I'm tired of seeing negative things about mm-hmm. you know African Americans. Mm-hmm. However, I cannot argue facts, which I'll, I'll go back to. I, I'm 40 times more likely to be killed by another African American than I am to be killed mm. by a police officer. Wow, that's incredible, and that's a fact. Right. You know what I mean? And then right. somebody else brought up the fact because I was talking to another another black guy, and he was like. Well, it only depends on where you are. Okay, but where the fuck are most you know African Americans? I'm right. not in Wyoming. You know what I mean? <laughs> they all are in the areas that's more likely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mostly. yeah, mostly. Yeah, mostly. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I don't live in Oakland, but I'm not fucking far. And if right. I go there, and I get shot. But I'm a statistic. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like it's way more likely that I'm going to get killed by a, a, another black guy than I am to get killed by a cop. And that's that's a fact. And I think that's something that is not being told enough. Mm. And it's it's a fucked up fact, but it's still a fact. You know what I mean? And it's a problem that needs to have the light shown on it because I think that people 
are so anti-police, but they don't understand that the only reason why you're anti-police is because the police are out there trying to stop crime. And the crime they're trying to stop is black people trying to kill black people. That's one of the problems they're trying to stop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And But people just want to ignore that. They just want to be like, well, police officers are, are treating uh, black people unfairly. But it's like, well, they're treating them unfairly because of the statistics and mm-hmm. their factual statistics. Right. Like, um, what is it, 80% of the, I think it's of the murders in America are, are per- perpetrated by African Americans. Like I'll have to look up the numbers. Sorry if it, I, I I didn't Google it like recently. Sure, but it's it's fuck. It's way higher than any right, other ethnicity. Than you would expect. Yeah, than what you would expect, and it's just like you can't ignore that if, if you're if you're a police officer. And so I'm angry when a cop pulls me over sure. because I'm black. Sure. But I'm also angry because of the black person that gave him the reason to think that all black people are like that. You know right. what I mean? Because he was basically and being basically you like got to give all credit where it's due. Yeah. Everywhere. Um, and I guess, you know, the, it turned out really nicely, the short, in my opinion, it actually did turn out powerful the way that he wanted because I, he's also like a poet. And so I advised him to add a voiceover, like kind of like a spoken word piece to give it more context as opposed to just like, you know, a short film that features violence, you know? Yeah. Um, and I thought it came out real nice, but the whole time I've been asking myself the question, which is like, why should I be allowed to direct that film? Like, I'm asking myself, right? Because mm. I'm not black, and it's a very deep issue that I know that I don't have enough knowledge about. And my philosophical approach was like, I'm going to take a back seat and be more um, about, uh, since he wrote it and he's, co-directing and you know um producing it i'm like i'm it's gonna be his vision like i'm gonna execute it technically right and i'll add like the kind of creative flares in terms of like the the visual or editing or whatever but when it comes to like the story or like the messaging i'm gonna let him take the lead right so i thought about this uh recently when when people take offense to um, a non African American director mm-hmm. directing something that di- is like a black issue. Yes. Yeah. So the thing is that injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere, right? Mm. So I don't really care about who is showing me the message. Mm-hmm. If the message is is true and the way that they do it is is well done, like, mm. I don't really care what ethnicity they are because, to be honest with you, um, African American problems can happen to anybody. Like when people, sure. that's why when people talk about white privilege. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're talking about white privilege for people that have money. All right, if you go to fucking <laughs> Tennessee into a fucking trailer park, you tell me the they white privilege. They don't have privilege. that white privilege. Yeah. Right. And so if a black guy happened to want to talk, happened to want to show that, right. you know, they should as be poor to. white people, yeah. Because he, he might have the quote-unquote black privilege mm. that they don't have mm. as white people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so that, it, and it's not his fault. He worked hard to be a director and to be able to show... Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the same thing with you. Right. It's like if you happen to have, if you worked hard right. to, to get to where you are mm-hmm. and you want to show a message about something that maybe you haven't directly affected, hasn't directly affected you, but you see that there's a problem. Right. Like I think that there's some there's some uh, merit in that and honor in that, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I took it from the standpoint that like every, first, number one, every artist should be allowed to try anything they want. Yeah. However... 
if you're going to be deemed a good artist or a bad artist, that's where the integrity part comes in. Yeah. And so for me to have integrity in that situation, it's like, let me try to take a backseat and not, not pretend like I know what the fuck I'm talking about and try to embrace um, this perspective that, that my partner created and, and try to learn about it and, and share that as opposed to uh, having my own agenda or my own yeah. like perspective that I'm trying to push of like what I think black people are, you know. Well, it's like the guy that um, that directed Hidden Figures, right? Right. I forgot to get back to this point a, a uh-huh. while ago, but uh, Hidden Figures is a great fucking movie. I have a, a lot of problems with a lot of African American movies because they perpetuate stereotypes, right? Right. But in this one, it was it was well done because it finally wasn't a movie where Somebody that was African American uh, made it. They, they progressed. And it wasn't through entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> it was through their brains. Right. And so they I were didn't actually give a, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't care about the white people in the movie. I mean, right. I care about, it, but I, I didn't really care. Like I, I was more concerned about how intelligent these African American women were mm. and how hard they worked to progress through not only you know civil rights issues, but mm. also through just intelligent and having to prove themselves to other people. Right. You know, and, and they did it in a, in a great way. And I thought that was a great movie. And for somebody to sit there and complain about, you know, white people as if the, at the time the NASA director wasn't white mm-hmm. is just like, I don't care about that narrative at all. Like, you know, you know, I think this ties neatly back into the beginning of the podcast is the Constance Wu thing is that you can take a social justice warrior approach where you try to treat things black and white, but actually the world isn't black and white. Yeah. And to me, it's about net effect. So like, yeah, like, okay, there's a white savior in Hidden Figures, but the overall net effect is that black people were portrayed in a very positive light that yeah. they haven't been portrayed before. Exactly. And is that more important than complaining about a trope that exists? Like, that trope will die eventually anyways. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you keep talking about it, which is good. But at the same time, if you're going to have to like weigh it, like, would you rather have that movie exist with the trope or not exist at all? Right. Like, which effect would be more impactful? But you know? I think it's also because people in general, they don't want to look at African-Americans as being intelligent. Right. And I think that's a problem. Cause, so like, you got to destroy that. Yeah. Because, uh. like, in, in my industry, like, I'm everywhere I fucking work, I'm almost always the only black guy. You know what I mean? Right. And it's, that's just the way it is. And, and it's not – I don't blame society. Like, I really don't. Like, when I talk to people that are, are the African-Americans, they're just – they're not interested – in the industry that I'm in. And that's fine. That's that that's who they are. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I'm not I'm not gonna blame white people because they don't want to do that job. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. Interesting. Well, this has been a pretty good podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it went pretty it's one long. of the longest ones, yeah. Yeah. But uh I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for uh, for coming <laughs> on again. We'll, we'll we'll make these more uh more common. Yeah, we'll set up a schedule again. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up. Black and yellow, Kronos here with Butterman!